The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Now recording. This is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe. Is he's not here? He does. This is this is a scary movie. He doesn't like scary movies too much. But we are we are doing the show. We discuss uh, movies weekly. However, every now and then we like to have these special bonus episodes. Whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. And this is one of our fun commentary tracks. This is his, uh, March 2021 and our latest commentary in the in our Hannibal Lecter saga. We've been talking Hannibal Lecter films. Uh, for the first few months of this year, tracking his his progress, I suppose. And we are now on the third entry, Hannibal. 2001's Hannibal, directed by Ridley Scott. This is going to be something. When joining, me, <laughs> joining me to discuss Hannibal, we have host of the Brandon Peters show going bowels out. It's Brandon Peters. I hang with Hannibal Lecter, so feel me when I bring it. Also joining us from the Milky Way Blues, always happy to try new things. It's Yancey Burns. Hey guys, once again, missing the cue for something clever, but here I am. Lastly, joining us from Forbes, his brain feels no pain, if that concerns you. It's Scott Mendelson. The lead role in Hannibal, a date with me. Two things Jodie Foster turned down. (laughs) (laughs) How are you guys doing this evening? I'm looking forward to talking about this one, honestly, so... Cautiously good. I'm cautiously good. I have. Notes. I had this circle that's like very interested, <laughs> very interested to revisit the movie, very interested to talk about the movie. More well, like, so the next time. Like we, so. we've been happy, we've been happy to shower the first two of praise. So now we have like this three in a row period of where things are going to get a little trickier. I think as far as how we address our thoughts on these things for some of us. <laughs> but 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 I but I, I know there, there's a lot of opinions on these next three uh, Hannibal movies. And so I am I am going to make this interesting. Or dead to... silence during Hannibal Rising and not the movie. <laughs> the just the sound of silence. I like to think it's a gradual. I like to think much like uh, much like CBS Plus, we're going to climb up Paramount Mountain and just rise into greater and greater territory as we ascend. <laughs> but um, and in June when we do the pilot to Clarice, I wonder if it steps back up a little, <laughs> just a hair. I will say that the next two episodes were better than the pilot. Okay. It's climbing to that sea. All right, we, we uh, yeah, the yeah. equalizer is still better. Oh. <laughs> we. we so we're Aaron, I forgot to remind you to watch it on Sunday. All right, we anyway. were, we're recording not too long after our Silence of the Lambs commentary, just because we all had Hannibal. We were also jazz about Silence. We're like, let's get this Hannibal one done. We're doing it, so we're we're pretty fresh. February is a short month too. Let's yeah, it honest. really just like, kind of came and went. <laughs> so we're just ready to kind go. Kind of around the same time, but not equating for the lack of days. Yeah, but to run through the details real quick, if you don't know what we're doing, we're going to do a commentary track, which means we're all going to play the movie at the same time and talk over it while it's on mute. So if you plan to watch Hannibal and listen to us at the same time, we currently have it paused, at least on my Blu-ray, it's 5, 15 seconds, but it's where the MGM line is mid-roar. So that's For you where we 4K Ultra HD listeners, three seconds. So that's where we all have it paused currently, mid-roar on the MGM line. So if you plan to listen, we're going to count 3, 2, 1, go and press play all having it synced up at the same time. If you're just listening to listen, you're good to go. 
you just you know set set your mind to fun and um <laughs> you'll be on your way to hear all we have to say about Hannibal which has 11 chapters apparently for a quite long movie anyway um you guys ready mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep all right three two one go all right. all right. So I had a thought just before we recorded this, like twenty minutes ago. Is Hannibal Lecter? Do you could you equate him film franchise wise like the Terminator? Two good yes. ones, first two, ones. and then just we keep using them, but in a shorter period of time. I think very much so. I mean, if you want me to get annoying about this, you, it's the same situation where you have the second film in the franchise that just goes bonkers bananas in terms of critical and commercial acclaim. And then, you know, a decade later, you have a direct sequel to that that capitalizes on the goodwill of that first film. Without, with without, some being, of the without being expected to do better than that previous one. Is yes. Which no is itself a success. Mm-hmm which then sort of tricks you know the powers that be into thinking that the the world of Hannibal Lecter is a franchise unto itself when in actuality it was just you know to a certain extent it was people want to see Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter movie star plus marquee character equals money and to a certain extent it was also you know Jodie Foster as Clarice Starlin and while they got away with it once without her um you know, once you take that away, all you're left with was, you know, Hannibal Lecter, uh, uh, excuse me, um, Anthony Hopkins' Hannibal Lecter, which again, you know, it's 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 not a franchise. It's that people really like the specific movie. You know, not every hit film is a is a everlasting brand. And after this one, which, you know, I would argue was very much, we loved, we saw it because we liked that one Sansa Lambs picture. Everything else has been severely diminishing returns commercially. You know, uh, uh, Red Dragon barely crossed 200 million on a $90 million budget. Real, uh, real, real, quick, Rising bombed. real quick, as we're going through this opening scene, yeah, yeah. I just like to point out that it's amazing Mitch McConnell decided to act for one movie and one He's movie. really good in this, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> the dedication he has to, to, like, putting his constituents on the side and being like, I need to act in the Hannibal movie. I just found fascinating. But uh, anyway, carry on, Scott. <laughs> well, Hannibal uh, Rising also, no, no Anthony Hopkins, so... Well, yeah, no and, you know, we all... We love the Hannibal TV show, but generally speaking, nobody watched it because, again, it's not a brand. It's not, you know, and, and the Clarice show so far is doing OK by, you know, 2021 TV standards. But again, it's not doing as well as The Equalizer, which is you know the same network, because that you Sunday's have on a movie star. Yeah, you have Queen Latifah, who is a star, her key character. You know, and, and frankly, a, a more you know crowd pleasing, easygoing, you know, package. Um, but again, you know, without knowing what eventually happens to Clarice after, you know, what the first nine episodes or whatever they ordered for, you know, it may be an example of again, you know, that this that that Silence of the Lambs was a hit, just like because Terminator Two Judgment Day was a hit, does not mean that in the abstract that the novels of Thomas Harris are a bankable IP. Good for Frankie Faison for being like fourth build in this movie, by the way. Yeah. Like that's that's impressive for well, him they, they up the character <laughs> book wise too, which I'm gonna have to coming into this, like I didn't like this film back when it came out or whatever, and 
but after having listened to the book, um, it's the source material. That's it's square one. That's why that's the film's biggest problem is the source material was lacking. And then they fought against what the source material was itself. But I just think it, the book leads it to, it doesn't help. I'll, I'll get, well, I want to let Yancy talk. I want to let Yancy talk in a second because he's he he is among us who is more in favor of this film than we are. That said, just to give some quick impressions, uh, and we'll get eventually to like when we all saw this, as we usually do or what have you. But uh, like watching this recently for the first time in a while, the big the big thought that I had now is where it's still a film I feel feels quite flawed. I don't hate it by any means. There's too mm, much good no. in it, uh, right. but I do think there's a separation between watching something like this at home versus watching it in the theater, because I, or at least like having a certain kind of atmosphere. Cause I feel like as much as this is a Ridley Scott movie, especially like this opening stuff, I think there's a lot more there that would work if you had an audience around you to react at the same time as you are with somebody. Oh, sure. Things. Sure. Yeah. I think that would make a key. And I think that led to, I think that's a big factor in why the box office is so strong for this movie. I think it plays well to a crowd. Uh, I don't think you can really replicate that at home beyond just being into the stuff that they're presenting on you. But I do think there's a certain kind of atmosphere that honestly I missed out on because I didn't get to see this in theaters. And I'm not going to say my experience is tainted with this because it's a movie. I know to judge a movie regardless of who's around me, but I do think there's a, there's an extra element there that I think you benefit from were you to watch it a certain way that, on, on its head, it's just like, ah, oh, there's still issues here, but I think there's an entertaining experience to be had. Well, I'll, give that- you, I'll give you this. It's unpredictable, and that that kind of would help that. Like, it's not go... It doesn't go... You've seen the first two, read the first... It does not go in any sort of way you would expect from the previous couple novels. Yancey, what do you have to say about Hannibal as far as your kind of general thoughts on the film? Well, <clears throat> you know, um, I... Of course, Red Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs as a kid, and 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 they were phenomenal books. And and the first two films, their Manhunter and Silence of the Lambs, are both A plus movies. They're A plus sort of horror thrillers. There's no denying that. Um, and this, you know, the book I bought it, I think, at the supermarket, and I read it the day it came out, and it was done, you know, and I was sort of mildly disappointed with the book. I didn't think it was a disaster like so many did, but I thought it was sort of felt like what it was, which was a, a probably a book that Thomas Harris didn't really want to write, but right. it was so financially, you know, but the thing is, so, you know, I, I, at the time I had the same impression you guys that I saw on a date, I'm sure on opening night and it just kind of felt overblown and the marketing was really a, a hustle and, and just sort of kind of smug about just giving us Anthony Hopkins and he Hopkins is overweight here. And, because it's it's because of Thomas Harris and because of, of being a big Ridley Scott fan, and also really in a lot of ways because at the time of the book Hannibal, after it came out, I read Stephen King's review in either the New York Times or the LA Times, and he called Hannibal uh, the best uh, English language horror novel since The Exorcist, I think. Uh, which, of course, is completely divergent from what everybody thinks. And, of course, I don't think it's as great as he does either. But Stephen King is not someone whose opinion I, I, I toss aside lightly. I, a lot of people say, who cares what Stephen King thought? But to me, it's like, eh, he obviously saw something there that, that, that I was curious about. So I sort of reinvestigated the movie o- over the years. 
And at some point I came to the conclusion that it was really effective, that it's basically to me a sort of a B plus instead of the A plus we wanted. But what it's not is a cheap sellout, neither the novel nor the movie they made. I think what people wanted, disappointingly probably, would have been just more Hannibal and Clarice team up for and solve another crime and catch another baddie. And that would have right. been more successful and might have kept this franchise pumping along. And I, of course, agree that it, it, this was not a major success with people in Sort of failed. I mean, it was a success enough as far as they, they did make more and it made money. And then it was huge like yes. up the smell of the carcass and stopped <laughs> and pulled up really quickly. But I think that this is an intellectually honest sequel. You want more of that story. He's not going to give you another replay of it. He's gonna he's gonna write about the things that are only implied in that second book. And in that sense, I think he really does go for it, Harris, and, and also Ridley Scott in, in, in his softened adaptation. It, you know, it's not about all men and all women. It's about Hannibal. Chiefly, it's about Hannibal. It's called Hannibal. And now we realize those first three books, he's the, he's the central character because Will Graham is in the first one, Clarice is in the second one. And, and in this one, you know... It, 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 this one is 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 his 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 furtherance of what was implied in in Silence of the Lambs, and I think that that it it's it's not necessarily what people wanted, and there's a certain unpleasantness to it. But it's also kind of gothic and horrifying and honest in a way. And where it goes, especially the novel, but also the movie, it goes into an area that I think is 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 honest. And I think more than anything else, you know, we. Uh, we talk in sort of movie guy circles and, and, and cult fandom circles. We, you know, we, we give a lot of horror movies a break. I think we, 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 we talk up movies that have like one memorable scene in them. And yet this movie, because it was so over-marketed, which is really a high class and intelligent horror picture that is flawed, certainly in a lot of ways, but really I think delivers in terms of being gory and sort of startling and smart and, and big. It, it, even 20 years later, I, I'm still in a room of three guys who don't really like it, and I'm a little perplexed. I get it, but to me, it's... it's. Well, I, I mean, I think the stuff you're talking about is the stuff that's good. The problem is mm -hmm. there's another, like, 40 minutes of this Clarice stuff, which I think is bad. I mean, that's that's my issue with this movie. Well, from the book, like, from the book is... Again, it's not about... It's not about... I mean... You can't say what it's not about when it's 40 minutes coming. of the movie. See, I mean, like, I, I hear you. Opening hour, yeah, but you can see where he's coming from. He wants to alienate Clarice from the FBI so she has nowhere to go but but Hannibal, and that forces this ending that is, God, if it came out today, that book would be so attacked. But again, it's not about the 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 the, the, the separate sections. It's about Clarice and Hannibal. And honestly, I, I think part of the problem is he's not interested in Clarice after Science of the Lambs. I, I think, think he's he done with either. her, and he's. And her story here is like the same but bigger. It's like, oh, all the men are still against her. Which, no, when she but graduates in silence, yes, but they cinematically, like we're going through this. It's again. doing that sequel thing where it has to reset the status quo on you. Where it's yeah. like yes. Starling's established it's herself. Not, it's pushing. It's pushing Clarice into a, a very risky area where we're now testing the waters of whether or not there was something there between them whether or not Hannibal will kill them if they, if, if, you're, if you're, you're, you're talking about your head you're talking about the Hannibal stuff which again I do think there's stuff there but that's not the that's not all of the stuff that involves Clarice's character yeah. hence why I'd say B plus but I still think right 
consensus feels like D, and I'm like, good lord, people still talk about like. I mean, this, I don't, whatever. Uh, we're on our we're on the four person commentary. I don't care about consensus as far as we go. <laughs> well, I feel like the three of us that aren't as big on this movie. No, but probably I don't more know probably, of the media that likes probably this more movie. probably more in a CC plus range. I mean, that's where. Yes, I would say. I, um, I think that that's rough considering the break we give a lot of other horror pictures. I think this deserves a little more credit for being a full blooded sort of gothic. Well, I, I I would say the well, bar is higher because of the amount of talent involved, and therefore not reaching a reach, not clearing that bar. Later, you gotta take not it, give it the slack. You gotta say it's not it's not Jodie Foster. And frankly, this story, would you really want to see Jodie Foster end up? You know, it, I I mean, I don't no. care if it, if it you know. Yeah. The fact is, this is the movie I got, and so I'm judging that movie. Like, yeah, yeah. there is a what You're if judging it against the earlier ones, and it, it, at this is point, about I, the earlier. I mean, that's a fact. I mean, everything's a factor. Like, I mean, I judged how my day went versus how I watched the movie. Like, that's you know, mm. I'm still judging the movie itself. And yeah, I have issues with the Clarice stuff. This stuff yeah. here, where you're going to get a lot of things that I, feel like. The same dumb stuff that happens in Aliens as far as, well, this all happened, but we don't believe you, therefore you're dumb. Like, I, I, it's frustrating to watch this stuff, frankly. Right. I, I think, though, that Harris, through this novel, which is big, it's a it's a long novel, there's like over 100 chapters, but I think one thing he does stumble upon is he's got two good follow-ups that would make a movie a piece for Hannibal Lecter, which I think the Italy stuff's great. I think that, uh-huh. that police captain... Or whatever that fall like fallen guy, he's your main character for whatever the follow up to Science of the Lambs is. And you've told the story of Will Graham, who's sort of a messed up person, Clarice, who's the good person, and now you got the dark, twisted, bad kind of person who would have some sort of relationship in Italy with Lecter, whether he's tracking him, whether he knows it's him. And I think that stuff's really fascinating. And that's where mm-hmm. I think the third story. Should have been. I bet maybe that's where Harris wanted to be, but he's he's forced to throw Clarice in this. Yeah, the is now, we have to know whether Clarice would arrest him or not if she found him. We have to see that happen. That's, There's a fourth story for you. Yeah, but the, the return story, of Clarice. I think it's maybe, a bisected story. It's like I in think, two pieces, but that doesn't really well, I, at the end of the day. You expand both. I think the Mason Verger stuff's good too. And I think that would make a great fourth book where you end the third book of him getting captured. And so your first book you have him, you find out he can communicate with the outside world from the cell. You have the second one where he is able to release himself into the world. You have him in the world, and then you have him in captivity having to face one of his original victims well, look, that survived again that's and the i think that's a good narrative for hannibal i agree but the, look you guys know me by now i was not I, i'm a very much a purist when it comes to these things and the creators i wasn't a fan mm-hmm. of the, the brian fuller show i thought it felt way too far afield of what these were about and i feel like the thomas harris books which are definitely a few notches above summer reed he's he's a pretty great writer who happens to write these thriller things mm-hmm. You know, I think he was drawn to this provocation of what would happen if now Hannibal and Clarice were alone in a room together. But he didn't want to. He was forced to write this book and he kind of F.U.'d it, too. Like that's, what, that, that, that's one narrative people always say when we know someone is forced. But I think I think he delivered something that is pretty effective in terms of returning these two right. characters. Well, I think well, I mean, part of what I missed going I forgot, from the first I'm sorry, two I forgot to this I, one is his attention to detail of forensic crimes like he's really good at that and i love that in the first two books it's not here and he's trying stuff he has it like good he's challenging himself maybe but it's we're just not, not as strong mystery, that's for sure yeah we're not I forgot, him mystery, but... I, I forgot that mason verger has his own freeway exit sign yes <laughs> <laughs>
And I will say, um, Ray Liotta is great in this. Ray Liotta is like, good in here. Like, as much as I'm not big on this, this as much as I'm not big on this stuff, the Ray Liotta, he, he does the job as far as the the exact kind of character he's going to play. We're going to talk a lot about Ray Liotta towards the end of this commentary track. By the way. Right. It's not pleasant, but but don't, I still think that there's something to be said for, in the end, the world is going to be shittier to Clarice than Hannibal would. And that's yeah. what's going on here. And that's what, that's, what, that's what we're trying to set up. But we're also obviously setting up at the same time this parallel storyline in Italy, which is undeniably more compelling because you've never really seen anything like that where you're right. POV. Well, oh, my God, I know who Hannibal is. This guy doesn't, but maybe he does. And that's so compelling that, that well, again, I think that's the troubled character is more interesting too. this guy that, you know, used to, you know, he had, oh, he's been corrupt. <laughs> he's so great. Giancarlo Giannini is so yeah. great. In, in, in that in that role i'm surprised that even just that hour isn't like people talk about that because they don't and that even just that hour because it's, alone, because it's not a buzzy thing to talk about it's not you know there's you know it's like oh that that atmosphere and the mood and these settings you don't normally see in films is it like that's not right. a thing you're gonna talk about fucking the brains being people are talking about the cell yeah i will say so, so i'm someone who absolutely loves the brian fuller show uh but i will say one thing that i think can be taken from that that more while we're in this heavy franchise stuff that show embraced everything like it embraced hannibal which you know unfairly it's his reputation unfairly liked right hannibal rising not a popular thing but they instead of ignoring that stuff they embraced it and i think more franchises should not sit in star wars ignore stuff that maybe jj um happened like the prequels star wars figured it out yeah, but I mean, a lot of franchises want to ignore their lesser entries or something, just act like they didn't happen. But when you yeah. embrace something like that and do something, it it, it improves them. Well, but that's what I, that's sort of what I'm saying is that, that for me, this is you have a flawed third Thomas Harris Hannibal story, or you have a pie in the sky. Someone else does an even better, great original, and like to me, the flawed version from the actual guy whose mind this comes from mm-hmm. is more valuable, especially since on some level, I have to assume Harris sees himself in Hannibal, at least in terms of being a super intelligent dude. And I mean, it, it, again, it's not, it's not, it, it's not, it doesn't sit well in a lot of ways, but I, I think it makes sense to write a book where Hannibal wins, which is what he did. He, you know, he had Hannibal and Clarice go up against each other and in, in the name of helping her, as I recall, he still wins, right? He, brainwashes her and and takes her off and, and he's her he's his he's her girlfriend yeah. well the win yes. feels like the win in the book feels like a dare it's like yeah there's, yeah there's a way for me to settle this but also what if i went this direction just to get audience to go whoa okay and it was rejected generally the, the rejected, film, but it would never not be rejected to have clarice get lose and unfortunately i think that 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 was just never going to work but i think that that's that's what but i appreciate it as as, as Harris is not going to be swayed by what any anyone else I think wants thinks if he has to do this he's not going to if you want to talk about like the integrity of the people involved holding up despite the things that could have said against them sure I mean that's what you tease the idea of of a romance between them in Silence of the Lambs. And if you get them in a room together, are they going to have sex or are they going to kill each other I mean that's a big tease and if you do a sequel you have to deal with that. And I think they did. And I think the idea that, that she would not win to a lesser degree in this is just itself hard for a lot of people to swallow. But it's a horror story. It's not. Yeah. A, 
the questions that this material asks, I I think we all agree are interesting. I, I think we're all, I mean, we're on a different side like, of the same I, coin in a lot of this here. But I mean, know, it's not, I'll watch this movie a, again after that. Like I give I give this movie chat. Like I go in wanting to like it more every time and i do there are strong it has strengths like it's not with that it's just somehow the whole unit it, it you know it's a little wonky this, this stuff but, right here getting the backstory on virgin like it's amazing that again mcconnell just went for it like mm-hmm. He could, I he put out a, he, was so young and handsome back then. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, he, like the makeup design on both the flashback and the, the current version of Asenberger is very impressive. I don't like this. He, there was this weird, this weird effect we're seeing here in this flashback stuff. You were seeing a lot of this, I think maybe in Gladiator, too. No, there is. Here, and this is another oh, yeah. thing, Yancey. Like, story wise, there are flaws and I have my issues, but. It's not just that, which is why I mark this film lower. Like I appreciate the effort Scott has put, Ridley Scott is putting into this, but it does feel a lot like like Tony Scott doing the fan. It's like here's a project where I can just fuck around a lot, and I can just yeah. you know. It's you make you money see some no stuff what. that winds up in Black Hawk Down, technical wise too. Yeah, there, he's <laughs> well, he's using he's using his same crew people here that right. he had on Gladiator. It's a lot of the same folks, and and you show like you can see that, and it's I I like that he wants to play with his aesthetic. But it just—I don't think it works here very much. Like I, I, I like it that. work in this scene for sure. This scene it does work in this scene. I even like. There's other. It just—it feels too jarring when you start the movie off with like a you know that big action sequence. Like yeah, that's Tony Scott, well, you know, or the Ridley Scott, and then and then you have stuff like this, and then you get to the 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 grand grandule stuff. Like it just feels like there's a lot of different ideas here mm. because Ridley Scott knew he yeah. could. He he knew he could play with that, and the movie would still be successful. And I feel I'm glad like, you I feel said like Grand. I, I, how do we? Is it Grand Guignol? How do you pronounce that? Grand Guignol. Grand Guignol. Grand. I, I always was Grand Guignol. I don't know. Anyway, Google is your best friend with these things. That later. So give you a translation. Uh, this one great Grand Guignol scene, like Brand New in the Society, that are classics. Yeah. For some reason this movie has one great scene, which is at the end, and I can't believe even that is never. That was iconic. I mean, this movie was iconic for like a five year period. It was getting parodied. People knew what you're talking about. It got mentioned. Like it was this is a big deal. Um just like I think scare one of the scary movies even parodied yeah, uh, that yeah, ending. Yeah. yeah. Well, it also came the film also came out in early twenty eleven, excuse me, two thousand one, which is right before what I would argue was a start of the modern four quadrant globally successful action fantasy blockbuster era. So within a you know, few months after this comes out, we're all talking about a new kind of blockbuster. Shrek, The Mummy Returns, Rush Hour 2, Planet of the Apes, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. So this almost, was sort of... It felt like it had missed its moment for sure. Yeah, but having said that, in terms of just general audiences, again, and we get this a lot when we talk of, you know, comic book or, you know, franchise sequels that maybe we're not that big on, but, you know, the average audience doesn't think that Spider-Man 3 is the worst movie ever made. You know, they think Star Trek The Darkness was fine. Yeah. Maybe they liked it. Maybe they didn't. They saw it once or twice, probably never gave it another thought. It didn't ruin their <laughs> lives. Yeah. And frankly, I mean, my misgivings i think most people that saw the rise of skywalker saw it once or twice in theaters saw that, whatever and went on with their lives and i think you know this movie first of all i mean it opened with 58 million dollars which at the time was the third biggest opening weekend ever for any movie um it held so, a long, know, it, long time r rating um r-rated yes, or an r yeah. rating how long did yeah. it all into that i think until uh well the matrix reloaded in 2003 
Yeah. But for a um, horror movie, it, it lasted till it ended. Yes. Yes, it's it, still it, one of the it trounced all over. The... It trounced all over Scream Three from the previous year. It's like, well, we'll show yes. you how it's done with Hannibal Lecter. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think the reviews were mixed. Um, there was a lot of post-release chatter, as is normal these days. But again, I think the average ticket consumer thought that was fun. It's a big, splashy, you know, studio picture with people I know and. It has some surprises. It's not totally a rip remake of the first of Sons and Lambs. The ending's really goofy, and I kind of got into it. And they went on with their lives. Um, for me, my issue with the movie was always, I don't think the novel is especially good, but I do think it was doing something very specific, which was almost spoofing itself as a reaction to Thomas Harris's displeasure over people that watched Silence of the Lambs and took Hannibal Lecter as this romantic anti-hero. Hmm. And frankly, as somebody that took the serial killer genre and you know the world of nonfiction world of serial killers very seriously, I think he was a little pissed at that. And it's, you know, it obviously gets goofier and goofier as the book goes on. But, you know, I think to a certain extent that the the book's third act was sort of a, you know, an extended middle finger to the shippers. You know, it's sort of an ahead of its time concept where you have these fans that not only think, eh, it'd be kind of cool if Clarice and, you know, uh, Lecter, you know, bumped uglies, but they, they that's to them the most important thing in the franchise. And it's not good enough unless that happens. Mm. Now, that's, you know, obviously a very specific kind of fandom that's a lot more prominent in the Internet age. Um, and but the movie, I think, tries to have it both ways. I think it's certainly aware of the satirical elements of the book and the the, you know, the somewhat macabre elements of the book that it's certainly not as serious and grounded a, a, a story as Manhunter, or excuse me, Red Dragon and Sons of Lambs, but they're trying to make a film that takes itself a bit more seriously than I think the book did. And because they were aware of the backlash to the novel, whether they, you know, the readers or media got the joke or not, they try to have it both ways where this, this frankly, dumb compromise where the stuff in the book still happens but Clarice still remains a quote-unquote strong and powered female lead in a way that I felt was very patronizing you know either do it or don't but you know don't try to have your cake and eat it too mm -hmm. um having said that it was fun to watch the finale with a packed audience I saw this on opening night um and then I saw it a few days later with another friend who hadn't seen it she quite enjoyed it um and that's great and again you know the, the the film's climax certainly went over very well especially with people that you know a hadn't read the book and didn't come up keep up with the discourse and didn't know it was coming we'll get, um we'll get more to that because there's there's i think that yeah. that's a credit to what ridley scott is very good at because there's a way to make that scene purely about grossing you out and there's a way to like i don't yeah. know be the Christian Bale not knowing how to do a magic trick version. I think he finds the balance, right? That's a prestige <laughs> joke. I think I think Scott has has the exact balance necessary as far as how to make that scene play where it's compelling and also kind of gross and like just other, you know, otherworldly to an extent as far as things you're seeing on screen. But again, we have a lot to talk about when we get there later. Right now we have Barney. I I have a question. If 
and this maybe what more what Scott would think. Uh, but if we were to get uh, a movie, another like Anthony Hopkins plays Hannibal Lecter again, does that get people up and out to the box uh, office one I last time? Well, I mean, if we're talking pre-COVID, because I have no idea what the hell it's going to look like. Sure, right, yeah. Pretend, pretend that's not a factor. Pretend, pretend, that's pretend that never um, happened. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think that would be commercially viable, but I think in order for it to be gangbusters, you need to bring Jodie Foster back. So if you because brought, as we learned with, I was going to do a tier. I was going to do okay, Julianne Moore, sorry, sorry. or Jodie uh, Foster. Julianne Moore is worthless. All due respect, in in that sense, in this role. Right. So she uh, uh, obviously is a wonderful actress. Yada yada yada. She's as good in this film as she can be. Obviously, the screenplay isn't exactly nice to her. I can certainly see why Jodie Foster said, no, thank you. I don't need the money. Um, but I do think, yes, I do think a legacy sequel that's a more direct sequel to Sansa Lambs and Hannibal, which reunites Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster, would be very commercially viable. With a cameo by Ed Norton. <laughs> or Will Peterson. Oh, that because be cool. I've I've always felt that yes, the the lure of this franchise is how damn good Sounds of the Lambs was. You could you could make this work. You could do like an August old people release and have like Meryl Streep as the new FDI director. Like they could they could crush that one. <laughs> Jacqueline Crawford. Yeah. <laughs> the, the 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 wife. Well, of the late, he's 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 in this book, mm-hmm. and he's removed. Yeah. Oh no, he I think he died of a heart attack in the book. Oh, does he no, die? No, no, you're right. No, he, no, no, he's in he's in the book. Right. His wife the, is in, in movie, silence, she dies, attack. and then he has a heart attack in this. They also removed Mason Verger's sister from the book. Yeah. He's one of the most interesting characters. Which is a much larger I mean, it gives a lot more dimension to Mason Verger beyond just bodybuilder. Right. Yeah. She's a bodybuilder and she kills him and right. in yes. a very creative way. Yeah. It's about as creative as how Jamie Foxx gets his powers in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, meanwhile in oh. Italy. Yes, uh, now we're the, this is where the movie like really now starts. We're good like, this yeah, because we're thirty minutes in, we haven't yeah. seen Hannibal yet. <laughs> well, it's not the Hannibal. Like, to them, it's been thirty minutes in, you haven't seen Hannibal. Yeah. Right, right. Um, he's the most, better or worse. Yeah, this guy I forget his name, but he's the most interesting to me in this whole time. Like this is Giancar- this Giancarlo. Is your, yeah, this is your guy. This is the movie. Well, he's. He's arguably the only one that has an arc in any gen- yeah. in any real sense. Yeah, it just it just ends pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, whatever no, my it, issues it, with the film, I think this whole second act is terrific. Yeah, yeah the, all of the Italy stuff is great. We can all agree on that. Yeah. It does the job, it, and it and it present you know it presents like Brandon you were saying it presents another story involving you know a a, a smart officer and Hannibal Lecter, and it gives you it brings new direction to it. What? I think saying it does the job undersells how good this this. Wait, I just I use the word great also. Pick one word I use. <laughs> does the job is kind of what the first act does. In my I also opinion. said great, so pick all my sentence words, not just one of them. Yeah. Ending, you know, I'm I mean, this is some of Scott's better filmmaking too. Is in this this area as well. because I think great. he was excited, Italy, but because I think he because he was excited to be here because right. a lot of the places he's using don't get filmed very often. So, and I think he was really embracing that. I think that was you know where you know shooting a shootout in a fish market. That's, you know, that's day one yeah. for Scott. Like, he's done that. That's plenty. Like, like you could dude. develop a, a friendship here of him and Dr. Fell, and he doesn't know Dr. Fell's Dr. Lecter. And then somewhere along the line, you bring in Verger to introduce for, like, whatever the next thing would be. And he's convincing him he's this guy, and he has to figure it out. And should he turn on him to capture him? But, like, there, there's something there. Like, 
with this relationship, I think that Nancy, you're not wrong. They are playing like hide the gut with the way they shoot him. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what you said. I wasn't sure. <laughs> it works chronologically because in this one, he's been out again and in red dragon, he's been free. So he's yeah. heavier in science of the lambs. He's smelt because he's been in prison. No eating people. Like how many murders has have just gone unsolved, man, or people missing? having much of a murder spree while he's doing this stuff yeah uh, well, there's gotta be some the former uh he killed the guy that used to have his job there's another, isn't there another murder running isn't the il mostro or somebody character in the book like isn't that what the investigation is really well, about yes yeah. yes the implication yeah. is he killed his predecessor at the museum yeah. that's right. how he has this yes. job currently i'm just trying to i'm trying to establish of like as far as I know from here, it's Doctor is Chilton and and this the guy he killed to be having this job. Do you think like he got up to more stuff? Is there a lost book somewhere? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, I think you know if I had to you know if I was Hannibal Lecter, I assume that most of the people he killed would be you know people that society wouldn't miss. I mean, it's nine years in the storyline, right? Between this yeah, it's a while. So, right? yeah, yeah, you could. <laughs> You could get fanfic your heart out. <laughs> I'm sure and eat it. Right. Let's, uh, you know, uh, he's always presented as this character who is, except for his cannibalism, a completely, you know, a sort yeah. of upper class sort of refined taste. I mean, this is a dream for him working in this library. As oh, much I, yeah, I hear you. I, it's 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 less about like his manners. It's more it's more about feasibly. It's been nine years. He has a way of doing this thing do you think he's indulged in that thing for like for in a number of cases i think scott you're probably right as far as if he has to and it's two people that won't be missed yeah that makes sense i get that well, well, that's like, what i think so great about i mean like i love the tv show with mads mickelson's the way they present him like is totally viable and he's a you know gourmet a chef or whatever you know he into cooking and stuff where he's into the culinary arts yes the culinary arts but he's you know <laughs> That's what that's it's still that show is what it wanted to be is is what you know this ideal again of every week Hannibal helps us solve a mystery and I just don't it think it does get away from that though the first season the first season that pretty quickly he's a yeah. lot scarier than that you know I think he's you know he's um again you're I mean, descri- you're describing a version of the show that's early on is like yeah we don't need to keep doing it this way and it becomes yeah. more of a i only watched the first two seasons i think but i just felt too the second like, season's not bad at all it, the yeah. second season's all about one-upsmanship that guy the twitchiest that will graham is the twitchiest performance i could not bear their <laughs> day's husband or whatever i could not bear him anymore that was the reason i had to stop watching He's you should watch fun. him on the final season of homeland you'll love him I stopped in, watching Homeland as well, and I love that show too. But for I didn't know the final season of Homeland. Oh yeah, he is. I know, I'm like I've never finished the last two seasons. I go uh, almost anywhere he, for Claire Danes, but but no, not him. Yeah. Anyway, not with, let's, not with, let's, not with, let's, not with uh, the other Will Graham in my head. You know, let's, no way. let's back up. Let's back up a bit. We talked about Foster obviously not being here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, they had a number of options. Uh, they have Kate Blanchett, Angelina Jolie, Gillian Anderson. Hillary Swank, which actually I see quite fitting. <laughs> this kind yeah. of role. Uh, yeah, at, yeah. At, which she did actually, right? A couple of times at this point. She did what like, the the reaping and the suspect zero and, and insomnia. insomnia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh Ashley Judd and Helen Hunt. Those are all the considered options. Judd would be, yeah, at this time would be probably like their top. Like if yeah. we can get her. Uh maybe but, we'll yeah. maybe we'll rope in Tommy Lee Jones or Morgan Freeman too as a bonus. <laughs> And Paramount will release it just because. Yes. <laughs> I, I think uh, Julianne Moore is your pick. Uh, 
I think she's, I mean, solid pick. She doesn't remind me of Jodie Foster ever, but she can do her own things. She's one of my favorite actresses of all time. So she had just worked with uh, Hopkins on, on something. So he, he he recommended her. That that was his pick. You still have to go to tryouts, Julianne. It's It's about as ideal a replacement as you could get for an unreplaceable. Let's just get a good actor to put so in Picasso, here. the Picasso much... movie, Surviving Picasso. That was the one. Anthony. Okay. Julianne Moore in that? I guess, because Anthony Hopkins said I, like, I worked with her and I was going on. I imagine, because that's like 95 or something, right? That's, a, really that's a probably a small role. If you look at Hopkins in this versus Hopkins in Red Dragon, somewhere in between there, he really gave in to pure hamminess. There's still an element of real menace here. He's not just glaring. Like he is in Red Dragon to everybody. Well, I mean, his function is different here. He has I mean, to he's be working the... with Ridley Scott as opposed to like Brett Ratner next time. But in so. general, Hopkins sort of, I hate to say, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm the only, I feel like he sort of, he stopped trying quite. It's sort of Robert De Niro kind of a thing where he stopped pushing himself after Sons of the Lambs, really. After Sons of the Lambs and those, and those Merchant Ivory movies that were near it, he stopped breaking a sweat quite as often. Well, we got to enjoy like success and stardom. I'm quitting the Merchant Ivory movies. I'm going to be an action star now. And the first thing he announced was that Bookworm, which eventually became The Edge. And he was like, I'm not going to do these lofty movies. I'm going to be an action guy. I mean, which I thought was cool. All right. Well, <laughs> and I, something I've always felt about Anthony Hopkins is he's a prestigious, respected actor who I think is more comfortable in Pulp Fiction. Um, I don't. I don't think he's, he's not trying here. I think that. I, mean, no, I, I, I don't either. Um, I don't think personally he's as he, you know, by default. I don't think he's anywhere near as menacing when he's you know a slasher baddie on the loose. But that's just the dynamic. I don't know. So like, I mean, would you characterize him as beyond him having an iconic role that's had Hannibal Lecter? Like, look at the rest of his career. Like, would you think that that like this is a guy that if you if separated from fame, would you pinpoint? this specific thing as the thing he's known for doing i mean he's he has a, a lot of variety as far as the kinds of roles he's played are you asking me much big i'm stuff asking in general of the oh, uh, i think he's very you know yes he has he is a jack of all trades um but i do think when i think of the performances when i enjoy him best and i think he's enjoying himself is that he's very comfortable in i would i what i would argue is high quality schlock uh, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Zorro, yeah. you know, even the Thor's movies to a certain extent. Um, and, you know, even stuff like, you know, The Edge or maybe not Instinct, but hey, nobody's perfect. You know, um, si- and Silence came on like, I mean, he's been a rat. Like he had what, like Lion and Winter and Elephant Man or what have you. But I mean, he you know, became Silence, a household name with Silence. He became a household name with Silence, but it's not, but it's not like after that he stopped i mean you just mentioned the Yancey. yeah he does have the two merchant ivory movies af- after this let alone like nixon uh what amistad like yeah you know he, he gets in there still as far as these kind of he wasn't a star until this not even close i don't know i understand it wasn't a star until no. silence but it's not like silence was like that was the end for him he still had these prestige dramas he was working in way after you know, after silence well there's a period after silence where it's like ooh, he's so creepy just to see him because of that movie oh, and wow, then- yeah so he might have been trying to get out of the shadow of that. And, you know, we're, we're talking around this, but the father, he is excellent in, which is this year. I mean, he knows yes. how to do this thing. Well, you can turn oh, it on. He can. He, on Idol, he's a great actor on Idol, Anthony Hopkins. I mean, he's just naturally charismatic and great on screen without even really trying. He's still pretty great. Transformers the last night, right? So 
<laughs> again, again, I I really dislike that movie. He's giving his all in that movie. Oh, like, yeah. He's having a blast. He's giving it credit by calling it a movie. Because so. he, he, he's not even, it, like, that's a movie that he could easily be in, like, 10 minutes of, be like, oh, we got him in for 10 minutes and he's fine. He's in that whole fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's in the whole thing. He's like Keanu Reeves in SpongeBob 3. He's in that damn movie. <laughs> um, what's he been doing? recently the oh. father and thor <laughs> that's what he's been doing recently yeah. well, I, yes yes i'm trying i'm a uh twitter uh, like twitter videos that's his other thing that he stars oh, in God, yeah. well, the, two oh, popes, yeah. the two popes the two popes where he got an oscar nominee oh, yeah. that's the by the way that's the movie where there's one pope and they give you the other one for free so i just want to you know make sure that's true but which one's the free one? Oh, bogo that's, 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 that's why you have to watch give me a sign up for netflix to find out bogo popes oh. yeah um bogops oh dude teabagging that tom statue Clancy. oh my gosh tom clancy's bogops <laughs> this stuff is like it, it this, does like you know I, I already complained about the cinematography this stuff works dude like, no sound on this is just captivating like no sound on this stuff is like all of a sudden the filmmaking's different it <laughs> Which is like um, that's fitting, I guess, because now we have Lecter, so there's like a respectability to the way it's framed. And, uh, Clarice is like hard action cop. Well, it stuff. is. It's, then, it's, it's shot grittier than just gritty. handheld and what have you. This is you know steady cam shots of people in nice suits. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's wearing the I, hat I, I too. I will say this. I, I believe Yancey said this, and whatever my issues with the film, you're absolutely right in that it does deserve credit for being such an unconventional yes. sequel that isn't just you know a replication of a given formula. Um, well, I mean, technically, it's the it's the end of the trilogy, right? So they have to bring it back to the beginning. Yeah, well, right. <laughs> in sort of the old thing, the John Hughes, you know, John Hughes, I think, was talking about the Home Alone series. And when people were complaining that part two was exactly like part one, it's like, and that's what sequels are. Part three is the one where you get creative. Um, <laughs> Somehow, Verger has returned. <laughs> <laughs> you have you to say have killed me when you had the chance, Hannibal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this movie also really looks good compared to Red Dragon. I never saw Hannibal Rising, but Red Dragon, I was so horrifically bad, I thought, because we had this perfect version of it already that it probably boosted this movie a bit in my mind. That was really, I thought. We're gonna talk, we'll talk about that next month, but Brandon, I'm not mistaken, it's the same cinematography. It's, um, they, he has, what, Dari, what is his name? Um, as Manhunter, it's the same cinematography. Yeah, Dante yeah. Spinotti, is Dante, it? Dante, yeah, Dante Spinotti, yeah. yeah. Nice try. But but the, the goal the goal with the next I mean with Red Dragon is make it look like Silence of the Lambs as much as you can like yes that's, that's the goal aesthetically um, with well, that. we can't get Hannibal Lecter to lose twenty pounds <laughs> does he have like a ponytail down to his ass the first the time I ever saw no, it's, it's a shorter one but yes okay this is the first thing I thought of September eleventh was this movie and this scene where they show Osama bin Laden among the ten wanted the first yes. thing I thought of that oh, one. Yeah. Oh, it's that guy from Hannibal. This was, this, <laughs> out of this was the. This I was, was just aware enough of current events at that time to know know who that was before 9/11. No more, but I just enough. I'm pathetic. I was just. But if I don't hear it from Hannibal movies, I, I don't hear it. 
this, is, like all, this is all seating. This is all seating for a body of lies years later. He's just playing. Looks like ripped corn in that picture. Oh, I yeah. forgot. Uh, in the book, like he has m- some more major plastic surgery done to himself. Yeah, right? he all, yeah. He, yeah. Which felt which that felt more like Dino De Laurentiis needs me to write this book. I'm going to write this aspect of it just in case we can't get Anthony Hopkins back when we finally make the sequel. Yeah, that's actually. I'm I'm serious. I I feel like that's the actual reason why he did that. It's like, yeah, logistically, he wouldn't probably want to look the same because he'd be on the most wanted list. Also, if this gets adapted, and I know Dino, it's probably going to get adapted. They weren't like heavy. (laughs) I mean, there were slight alterations. I think on like his ears and something. It wasn't like yes. It's enough for us. it's enough where a script can make that choice very easily, though. In silence, he was Connery. In Hannibal, he's Lazenby. Like, no, it wasn't like that change. <laughs> Shame about the other Hannibal. <laughs> what was the idea that 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 uh, that uh, the um, De Laurentiis was going to go ahead and make it, regardless of whether? Oh, probably. Yes. Yeah. Dino's like, oh, oh. Yeah. it was. Dino's me. Yeah. Silence showed me up. At the by the way, Pixar made it okay for all of us to do Italian accents again because Luke is coming out, so it's fine. Okay. Um, you know, yeah, Silence showed me up, so we're gonna get back with the man. It's gonna be great. So it's gonna be better than Silence. Well, Three the thing times is, better. Like Thomas Harris, boo-hoo! They bought this book for nine million dollars off of you. Like boo-hoo! Yeah. Write it. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> sell out. That's you know, right. like, sell out. How? not conventional it was it was almost like <laughs> you're gonna buy it no matter what i write right exactly so here's what I'm give you, suckers really uh, is such a creep in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah that's what, like, yeah, he really is a great. it's great looking at that i'm picking up the post and look at the sketch of her naked is is mm-hmm. a good moment yes um we speaking of the writing of this thing uh ted tally did not come back because he's like why um which is pretty much <laughs> Pretty much what what um, Jonathan Demi was like. He's like, I. He says like his main thing was I. I can't make a movie better than Silence, so why should I do a sequel? Which yeah, that shows. And I think the oh, more really nice guy Demi mm-hmm. probably didn't want to say anything else. Exactly. And I, I obviously I think the lengthy process to get a, a workable screenplay out there was like I'd rather make a remake of Charade, which will go really well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> regardless, uh, you have uh, David Mamet turns in a whole draft of this screenplay. I'm fascinated to know what that was, because despite being credited on this movie, none of that's in here. It was entirely rewritten by Steven Zalian, and the WGA was like, no, he gets credit anyway. Uh, so that's why his name's in this movie. Uh, but I, I would like to know what the David Mamet script was. Well, I sure would. I, I don't know how... Beyond having like more terse dialogue, I'm not sure if the structure would change all that much, but mm-hmm. still curious. But yeah, Steve Zalian. So like again, there's so much good here. You have Steve. You have Oscar winner Steve Zalian from Schindler's List, among other things. Ridley Scott uh, <laughs> coming off of Gladiator. You have Anthony Hopkins, obviously. Julia Moore, Ray Liotta, like this. Hans this Zimmer podcast. scores it. Hans Zimmer scoring this thing. It's like yeah, you have all everything's here for a, a fairly large budget horror sequel uh, to one of the greatest movies of all time at that time. Like, boy, they, they, did, they, they, overdid, they, they overdid it as far as how much, how many qualifiers they needed to justify making this movie. I just don't think it's fair to judge it for not being as good as silence. I mean, I just, it, it, well, of course, no, that's, I don't that's think any of us are true. saying that. No, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> but we have, but it's I judge it for not being as good as copycat. <laughs> oh, copycats! Not better. Or kiss the girls, or along came a spider. This is but no, no this is better than along came a spider. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm not, not going there. No, 
all three of those. I'm not big on any of the Alex Ross movies. I like Copycat. Copycat is really good. Oh, I love Copycat. The Cross movies Um, don't do anything for it, including uh just the girls. They're just kind of... Darren, don't you cross Alex Cross. I I don't I don't I don't cross Alex Cross. I just walk on the other side of the street. Plays of Science of the Lambs is something else. Those are giving you that thing that they wanted that this wasn't. But it is interesting to think of this as like the because like what like do we get? I mean we do, but after Silence and after in like Seven, which we talked about last month, you get a number of other you know serial killer movies like you said, right? We just mentioned many of them, and there's also what like Fallen, which we had a commentary for. Time is on my side. The, the Bone Collector, among other things. It feels like this is, again, there's still more after this, but it's like a big culmination of, okay, let's do another silence now, which I, that's kind of interesting. It's like, okay, we we did a, a decade worth of copycats, no pun intended, from other serial killer movies. There was let's only one of those. Just copycats. Sigourney Weaver, Harry Connick Jr., Holly Hunter. It's a nice moment where she <laughs> kind of catching him. My just, script for copycats did not get picked up. Just to call it a nice moment, it probably wasn't in the script. That's a nice moment when she's kind of sketching what she imagines he looks like, and it's pretty close to, to Giannini being this sort of rumpled, mustachioed uh-huh. Italian cop. And someone else has just sketched Clarice in the earlier scene. There's some nice visual rhyming going on there that I'm sure no one has ever <laughs> given him any credit for. Like, like you know, he's an Italian actor. He's pretty, he's plenty successful. He's been in two Bond movies, but still, mm-hmm. uh, he he's very good. <laughs> like, he, he he deserves everything he gets. Like he, he's good here. Oh, he's great. I just watched. What, oh, I just saw because I watched uh, New York Stories. He's in the Coppola segment of New York Stories. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, cool. There he is again. Yeah, well, his real claim to fame is he's the, he's the original. The swept away. That was him. And yeah, the, uh, he was like a hunk. Yeah, he's clearly in his like seasoned character actor phase at this point now. But yeah, he was you know, a big star back then. It's certainly a better role than he gets in those Bond movies. As Mathis, oh, Mathis, kind of a hazily defined third banana character. I, I like I like him towards the end of Casino Royale when he's just sitting there and he's like, "I'm talking to you," and then he gets tased all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like his big. I mean, he has only what one major scene in Quantum of Solace, but I like it. I think there's a certain even before he gets killed off, there's a certain poignancy to it. Um, that's one of the few. You know, I like to be a little bit people, but that being said, his bit is one of the only ones where I, you know the movie really works emotionally. As one, you know, we did that commentary too. But as one is that's not a big fan of that. As one is not a big fan of that. I do like. I agree with you. I do like that scene and like the scene of Jeffrey Wright. Like scenes where they stop and talk about things. What it's like, by the way. He does. He does get some of the worst lines in Casino because he has to do the all the jargon about Texas Hold'em. Yeah. Yes. He has to explain to the girl because she's a girl and cards are complicated. There's no way this guy is. You're aware this guy is not as good as Will Graham or Clarice. Right. There's no way he's going to catch. That's what makes it compelling. Yeah. Like he's so like drop. You know. Yeah. He doesn't he's have so support of. He doesn't have department support of things. Well, he's, he's, he's playing a different game. Sleazy. Just, that's what. Yeah. 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 So I, I feel like he's the next per, in the the gradual building of these people that Hannibal has one on one relationships with. And then, like the verger, he has to reface somebody he had that relationship with. And it gives like it gives Starling something to do that I like enjoy at this point in the film because for the most part it's just such the dregs for me as far as like her doing stuff. So like when you know she's like talking to this guy now, it's like guy, you need to stop. You like you're getting yourself way over your head here, right? Yeah, I, I like that. I like that stuff. We talked over it, but 
would this happen where like with the with the Starling stuff where she's in a botched job and they're like the news needs to report this? Like, is that a thing back we, then? Uh, possibly. Uh, well, she's famous. It would have been a story for maybe she's a famous for a thing from ten years ago, and they're like, by the way, you might remember her from this thing that happened a long time ago that she was in a new well, thing. Serial killers. If well, this had happened a couple months later, it would have completely fallen off the radar because they'd all be talking about Chandra Levy nonstop for six months. Yeah. Um. And then if it had happened seven seven or months later after nine eleven, and nobody would give a crap. Yeah. yeah. But no, I, I do think, you know, jokes aside, you know, the, the media as it existed in, in the early 2000s, yes, this would have been a story on the cable news networks for a couple of uh, years. Hard, hard copy, current affair, like <laughs> big yeah. shootout in the street like that. Yeah, I buy that. It's, this is showing my age now because I'm like, I'm having a tough time remembering what news was like before 9 11. So. I'm not going to say it was better, but it was different. Yeah. Um, I like casual Hannibal. Wearing right black on top. Yeah, he's wearing black in like everything, like <laughs> black button down. Well, these these long shots are him, you know, wide. Slimming black on Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, I don't mean to make fun. <laughs> I think it's pinstripe too. Just to... I mean, just get. Where I I mean, he's felt, but he looks he looks great. Like he's having a good time. Look at his house. <laughs> he's, he's having a ball. I like he he daintily holds that cigarette. It's kind of he's barefoot too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's getting his James Earl Jones on when he's king. He's just, you know, he's living it up. <laughs> I love the scene later. It's it's so ridiculous, but it's a great scene where they're at the opera or whatever, and he just kind of turns around and looks at him. Oh, yeah, we're it's getting, such a great... We're getting to the Powered beyond... Like, well, it's like, men. that's the stuff where the movie wants to, like, embrace this other tone, which, yeah, with this more... What is it um, that we talked about? Um the Italian thing we talked about the horror episodes. What about what, for some blanking right the second? Uh, giallo or giallo? Yeah. Like it's it's getting into that territory with this, and not just because it's Italian, just like, but like the nature of how we're seeing things framed and like the the connection between you know the killer and the cop. Like there's stuff there where mm-hmm. I think again Scott's having more fun with that. I, I think it? he, it's the yeah. stuff that he's more interested in. It's weird. You go see this movie that has these like asides, like oh, it's this Clarice is go- okay. Now we're in something completely, you know, it's almost an anthology like in how it approaches to getting them together because there's like completed stories almost. Yeah, the Zimmer stuff is very nice here too. Like we, we can't hear it obviously, but Zimmer he's doing he's doing his job. Like he's he's getting the notes and he's like, yeah, all right. A lot of classical in this section. You can't hear it, but sometimes in the subtitles they'll put the little music note so you can see it. <laughs> I, guess, I mean, this is good stuff because, you know, we know something he doesn't, but he knows stuff. Like, it's a whole interesting yeah, it's, dichotomy. It's, it's, all, it's suspense. Like, because yeah. we, we, mm-hmm. we, we know where we are here and like you're you guys are right as far as in terms of challenging the sequel format it is doing something different now yeah. you know we're we're following buffalo bill as said we're following you know we're following the red dragon we're following hannibal now he's in this mode yeah. where he's he's the focus and we get to know like his perspective on things right. for a good lengthy period of time and with hannibal he's in control but he's also That's the other, yeah, he's in control, not that's obsessed the other. with control too much that he's still like what's your angle here he's very careful like he he, he it's not just enough that he's like i know you know who i am but i need to know where this is going you know it's not 
He has something to lose. Yeah. And it's impossible not to, you know, you whose side are you on at this point in the in the story between these two characters? It's kind of hard not to be on Hannibal's side to an extent. But he's, right. Yeah, the movie's Hannibal. Like he's the antihero. Yeah. It's a really extreme version of an antihero because what he does is such a so unthinkable. But I mean it's a it's a Hitchcock thing where he reverses you to be in suspense for like the wrong person. Like we should want him to catch Hannibal, but we're like, oh no. We're even like, like it's not like some of like Wells movies, some, like like a lot of film noir in general, but like mm-hmm. I don't know the third man or whatever like not not one-to-one but i do think they successfully build empathy for the the you know the investigator pretty much toward the end where he feels bad enough about this guy who's about to get killed that you know he he sticks around even after the job is basically done you know do his detriment yeah and younger wife that he seems to sort of really be in love with and he wants to get away with her so yeah you of course you feel bad for him but it's you're going back and forth. You're one, you know, you don't, you don't know what you have to see what you want. To see. I mean, that's that's the noir element too for him. As far as everything he's doing, it's be, that guy looks so much like Edgar Ramirez. Uh, <laughs> but but everything he's doing is, is of his own design. Like he doesn't have to. He's been warned many times. Like it's it's very. It's what is it? What's what? What's the other one? Uh, who wrote the counselor? What's his name? Why am I blanking on names today? Uh, <laughs> oh. Uh, McCarthy. McCarthy. There's a McCarthy. There, as far as like how bleak you can make this stuff involving this guy who's going off his own, you know, his own choices are make or his downfall in all of this. My favorite scene of the counselors are one where that one guy tries to tell Michael Fassbender not to do the thing. (laughs) That's 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 two hours of that two and a half hour. (laughs) (laughs) Must be talking about what's his Ruben Blade. That scene is fantastic. No, he's talking about every scene in that movie where Michael Fassbender no, he is, but that actually does refer to one scene that I think is amazing with Reese basically getting his ass handed to him over the phone by Ruben Blades. Who is that horrible. raincoat is being lit like a cape. A nice long duster for him to slim up on. In a very dusty scene. It was the trailer. <laughs> very smoky. It's like 80s Ridley Scott right now. And a cocked hat from Hannibal. Oh, he's wearing that hat. Every scene he has a hat and he knows how to wear it. Let me tell you. I feel like this has movie must have a credit for Mr. Hopkins suits by yeah. oh easily. Oh. I, I I bet there's three. Hopkins hat, Hopkins suits, Hopkins shoes, Hopkins, Hopkins, Hopkins cufflinks, scarf. Hopkins scarf. Is this a and I, I'm answering asking a question I don't know the answer to. Is this a rare circumstance for Ridley to shoot in one eight five by one? That's a good question. Oh yeah. Because obviously this was done to you know keep in pace with silence. Uh, yeah. which oddly yeah. enough Brett Ramner did not do for uh Red Dragon. Which uh, Manhunter was because <laughs> his matches Manhunter. His films are yeah. so big too. Damn, that's a good question. I don't yeah. know offhand. I gotta think about it. Well, Gladiator was, I think, scope, and what else came yeah. around? They all because they're yeah. all epics, so they're all gonna naturally be that yeah. way. Like that's that makes sense. Uh what was Black Hawk Down? Was it Black Hawk Down? I can't I can't imagine. Yeah. That's a good question. Again, I I, I Black Hawk Down was scope. It was in uh, two thirty. What a what a like a two thirty nine. This goes from a like it's kind of a gut punch to a he gutted this man like right in public. Yeah. <laughs> it's rough. It's a punk move. You know, it's it's really just. I mean, obviously, he's the villain, so it's fine. But it's incredibly petty since. He knows the guy got what he wanted, which is his fingerprints or whatever. Um, Do you think he's sure that it's him? Do you think he's sure that it's like it's of his doing and not just some guy he spotted following him? 
uh, I think he's pretty sure because he's he's he's. And again, maybe I'm wrong, but I always got the impression that like he's smart you know, enough. He knew so what yeah, was up. Probably, yeah, yeah. And he just he killed him anyway, just for the hell of it, without preventing his plot from going forward. I mean, it might be a bit of a uh, back off. Someone to watch over me is one eight five. Yep, I was just about to say that. We're <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, someone watch over me. Duelists, even maybe not, but the, again, the duelists he might have been shooting with what he could have, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Duelist, where's Ridley Scott now? So he's just like coming off a of gladiator, right? Like he's yep, yes. He was offered like, this while shooting gladiator. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Dino De Laurentiis just like cornered him. He's like, listen. Yeah, there's a story right here, isn't there? It's it's he he thought he he thought Dino was offering him a story on Hannibal the Conqueror. Yeah, and he's like, I don't know about that. I'm I'm a current. I'm may, like, look at Russell. He's sweaty from all the epic stuff I'm doing, and, <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. It's much stupider than that. It's a secret. <laughs> <of the> <laughs> um, yeah, that's 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 that reminds me of a personal anecdote. Hannibal project, which can't be called Hannibal. Yeah. Yeah. Here's McConnell uh, again, just like just giving time to movie. <laughs> My man, Mitch. Yeah, I do like the larger construction of of Hannibal himself being the the the, the damsel in distress. I think that's pretty interesting. Oh, we'll get yeah, we'll get there. We'll get to the the other half of this stuff. But yeah, they, like it, it has it has fun. With, I th- I mean, I think a lot of the merger stuff, merger stuff is dumb, <laughs> but I do that the the way it. The ideas it's presenting and some like fun lines, I do think work quite well. Yeah, but Gary Oldman knows what movie he's in. Gary Oldman? Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. Miss McConnell, my mistake. <laughs> Miss McConnell knows what movie. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Duelist was 185, also, by the way. Yeah, was it? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, yeah, he's a guy that shoots in scope. Like that just yeah. makes sense to uh, me. And this is no, this, the next movie he made. Yeah, he was. Black. This was in the middle of a real hot streak for Ridley yeah, Scott. Because, yeah. let, let's go. Let's go over this back, back, backtrack a bit because it's it's he has such a strange like career because mm-hmm. now he's like more prolific than ever. But like yeah. you know, he comes out what Duelist and Alien obviously is a hit. Then he and that's like it as far as he that's goes it. for a while because it's because well, yeah. Blade Blade Runner's a flop, Legends a flop, yeah. Uh, his like Black Rain like, is okay. Black Thelma Black, and Louise was a Thelma big and Louise one for is what him. gets it back for the nineties. It's like or like it seems, oh, seems but like it wasn't a huge hit. It just it's it was a very well received. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just a comeback artistically for him. Yeah, and then it's just a lot of like this. It's this weird period. Like if I told you that Ridley Scott directed a two and a half hour hundred million dollar Christopher Columbus movie, you'd be like, wait, he did because that movie has no like stamp whatsoever. <laughs> and it's maybe the worst of the two. And it. Like nowadays, you'd be excited if they announced yeah. that. It's yeah. Like, well, actually, he did it already, and it's like, yeah. really? like that happened. That exists. I uh, think like, it's her. I think his career. I think his reputation is a little hurt because he doesn't fit certain tourist ideas. His movies don't all look like Alien and Blade Runner, and he doesn't have central obsessions to his work. So I think there's a lot of later. Yeah, that is with. Stuff. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, he, he's, he's a, a he, lot of his stuff is underrated. I think yeah, Black Hawk Down, which is the next one, is like. Well, we'll get, we'll get the, we'll get the re- recap this, like, because it's that '90s period where it's like a lot of it's that what White Squall and GI Jane. It's stuff that's commercial, but like doesn't yeah. really do anything for him. So Not stuff like, you're like a oh, Ridley Scott film. Like, yeah, he's, he's, like, just, like, hand, yeah. he's like he's it. It's like it seems like he's chasing prestige, but not really. 
And yes. then it gets to Gladiator, which I wouldn't actually consider a prestige Ooh. film, but everyone, but you know, it did anyway, because yeah. <laughs> it just, it happens to be, it's a sword and sandals movie that happens to look great. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, so by default, for whatever reason, they're like, yeah, this is the best thing of the year. And like that, that yeah, <laughs> that sets, that sets, but that sets them on a path to make a really yeah. good set of movies after like, I know people are bigger fans of Gladiator than I think some of us are here, but regardless, yeah. after that, yeah, you get, I mean, you get this, and then you get Black Hawk Down and Matchstick Man, which I think is excellent. Matchstick Man is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and which is like the least yeah. commercial of the things that he does. For well, them. yeah, he's successful <laughs> enough at that point that you can go off and, you know, do a one for me like Matchstick Man. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to be Peter oh. Bogdanovich for a day and just be Matchstick yeah. Man for some reason. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then after that, what? Then it's, uh, uh, what's after Matchstick Man? It's 2000. Kingdom oh, of yeah. Heaven, which I really like. Oh, yeah. Kingdom Kingdom Heaven. Heaven. It's top th- that's top three Scott for me. <laughs> like I think it's, yeah. real, it's but that's I a flop. My like, favorite of his pictures. That but that's uh, like a, that's a big that's a huge flop for him because he loses control. Yes. He can't make he can't release the three and a half hour movie he wants to release, and so it gets you know. And it wasn't Gladiator again. It, it was, gets tarred and feathered because yeah. it's not the thing. Yeah, and it, Orlando Bloom's not Russell Crowe. It's all these things, even though it's a highly complex film with a lot of really cool ideas and all this stuff. Regardless. If, yeah, see, this I'd have to make me feel bad about the violence. Yeah, see, even you have to say that like Edward Norton's pretty good in Kingdom of Heaven, right? Oh yeah, he wears a mask all the time. I like yeah, it. He, 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 he doesn't have to show his face, so you must like him in that movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think the major we got Edward Norton fans. Black Hawk Down, which is an amazing movie. Yeah. It's hard to watch because it's so dense, but it's such a mastery of POV constantly switching, which was after this. Um, yeah. Then it's a, then it's like this Red, Russell Crowe period, right? Because it's a good year, American Not Gangster blind, and yeah. Body Body of Lies and Robin American Hood, Gangster all, all in a row. Angst, American Gangster, I really, well, I, I mean, the Denzel side spe- specifically, I think, is excellent. Yes, quality rise. That's I, I'm not a fan of that particular run. Um, uh, because it's this weird, well, like it's, it's a virtuosity like, reunion. Who was it? <laughs> But then you get then you get into the uh, the the twenty tens. You get you get per, excuse me. You get Prometheus, which is a huge hit, despite the yeah. varying reactions to it. It made what half a billion almost, right? Like it it, it did its job. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, let me yeah, just play around. Thirty one million dollars. And then it's and then, like, then, yeah, from then on, he's basically then you know, he's the Martian made six hundred million dollars. Oh but yeah, the like, Martian. I forgot that was. But he goes. That's the thing. He goes back and forth. It's like I'll do the counselor. I'll do this, which is like. Oh, like yeah. it's weird like regardless of what you think about it it's like that's a, it gets a big cast it's a big expensive version of a thing you don't generally see and then it feels like he makes what would seem like a safe play he makes a Ten Commandments movie he makes the Exodus Gods and Kings it does nothing for anybody but it's like well that's an interesting one not to land I don't know what you do that's <laughs> different there I guess you just make a better movie I guess that's the real you can do a top five in this really song. Like there's so many, there's so many movies, like a good yeah. year, and then all bubbling in the cracks. I mean, whatever happens with his failures, he's got another movie right away. Exactly. So yeah, then yeah, the Martians, the Martian is huge. Money alone. That was the last picture, right? Oh, yeah. Very- that's that's um, yeah, you get you get another alien because he's really into robots, but he disguises which, as an alien. Yeah. Which amusingly bombs, <laughs> arguably because you know, A, people weren't that hot on Prometheus, and B, because I frankly think they made a mistake emphasizing Alien, which was a comparatively cult franchise, versus this is a sequel to Prometheus, a movie that everybody saw. Mm-hmm. But whatever. 
it just ditches it ditches the wrong things despite yes. a lot, i think a lot of a fan yeah. yes yeah, i think you agree a lot of effective elements as far as yeah. i'm again the biggest him, the bigger fan of covenant in the group and i think covenant is pretty terrific him doubling down on nihilism to be like oh you want yeah. to see dark i'll I, show you dark <laughs> i enjoyed covenant more than prometheus with the caveat that i've only seen each of them once and then there's oh. all the money in the world. That's the year he's Spiel- he Spielberg that year. He's like, I'll do two yeah. movies. Why not? And he's, he makes all the well, money in the world. That was a movie that Spielberg was trying to make for ages. And Ridley's like, I'll do oh. it. And not only will I do it, I'll get into some hot water and recast a main role and get him an Oscar nominee. And do it in two weeks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he did it without abusing his entire cast. And this year he's doing it again, right? He's, he's supposed to have, I don't he's know. He's got the last duel. I don't know if COVID's affecting it, but it's supposed to be the last duel, another yeah. epic that's what co-written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, who both star in it, yeah. as well as a House of Gucci. Like he's supposed to have that movie out, like yeah. like as of now, like three weeks from the from the pre. From he, last he's duel. what like 106 years old or something. He's yeah. like nine years old. He's like three years <laughs> younger than Yancey. You can say what you want about Clint Eastwood cranking on movies. Those are like little movies that Clint Eastwood makes. Really, Scott's still making these enormous movies. That's the he thing. Yeah, like years yeah. old. That's the thing. Clint Eastwood, yeah, he's he's churning things. He's doing things when he wants to. Yeah. His movies have a pretty set, you know, he'll make a $30, $40 million movie for Warner Brothers. Ridley Scott's like, just give, just come on. We're getting on the plane. We're doing location. <laughs> let, me, let me, let me get, let me, come on. Who's coming with me? Matt, you good? Let's do this. Like, he just gets all these huge cast members. He must be a delight to work with. He gets great you know cast. He gets great cast and crew members and like, yeah. He runs an operation. are great. Yeah, we're listening to those guys. His commentaries are just some of the best in the business. Yeah, he's he's so, incredibly well spoken and well informed. So like he knows, he knows his stuff. Yeah, Ridley Scott. Quite a career this man has had. I don't even know if he's chasing that Oscar anymore. It seems like he had his chance and didn't get it. So it's like, all right, I'll, you know, if I get nominated, great, whatever. I'll get my Golden Globes and complain about it. I'm drawing a blank. Who won Best Director that year? Gladiator, Gladiator. Uh, one of his two. Yeah. Somehow, yes. I'm so like that was surprising to me. Like as much as I didn't want Gladiator to win Best Picture, I was like, he's going to split the vote, right? And like they'll still give it to somebody. Else. And, like, nope, we, we're still giving it to him. Right. And, uh, good for it because I mean, you know, Traffic or Crouching Tiger were my picks for that year. So it's like, yeah. Right. I guess Ang Lee won. Interesting. Well, they made up for it later. Where they're like, we'll give you two. <laughs> <laughs> We did. We forgot to nominate both Ben Affleck and uh, Catherine Bigelow. So by default, we'll by default, <laughs> right? Yeah. You flipped the coin. It was you or Spielberg, and came up Eds. <laughs> okay, so now we're to, back to this movie. Now we we have Clary Starley being like, "Guy, shut shut up. Leave Hannibal alone. Get out of there. Get me in there. I need to know what's happening." Oh, we passed this entirely. I know we're talking all over the place. That letter that Hannibal sends to Starling is the intention just to like to mess with her. Like he sends like a really scathing yeah. letter to her. Like and it, it just seems so. Like, what do you think the relationship is now? He's grooming her. Like that's I think what it, it's it's all from afar. I think there there's a care somewhat. That's his last connection to somebody. Uh, while he's that knows who he is, uh-huh. but. I I think there's a groom because in the I mean in the book because you're adapting from a book you're picking and choosing you're keeping stuff so there's a through line that doesn't pay off and stuff but he ends up like in the book he like does some sort of hypnosis drug brainwashing stuff with her prior to yes. her converting to go with him. you know yeah so he does that he does not do that here 
Um, but the trail of it's there because he's grooming her with the letters, letting you know I care. I'm, I'm you know. I say I think grooming is an over. I mean, first of all, he's Hannibal Lecter; he's a crazy maniac. But I think he really, in the book, at least if I recall, he legitimately feels that she is enslaved to a system that doesn't deserve or respect her, and he thinks he's yeah. going to free her from all that by kicking her off into his world of, of whatever. But well, that's what that's really what that's that's right? kind of what grew, uh, <laughs> okay. We have a different definition for it, yeah, that, but that's I mean, that's but see, he really thinks it. He really believes that she's a rare, rare creature like him. But he has yeah. to do some convincing of her to go yeah, for a creature like him. Then that's, yeah, I guess it. Yeah, I mean, he used to be called. Yeah, but I mean, it's that he's not in the. I guess they still managed to make Hannibal seem like in a world of men who don't appreciate her. He at least appreciates her. When we can find right. the the synonym for grooming that doesn't sound as extreme, we'll use right. It. But I mean, that's the but appropriate. My thing word is, he he does. He does, but he's, he's it's ridiculous. But, I mean, it's, like it's, it's, I gotta do something because I'm Hannibal Lecter. Like, like anybody, she's Clarice Starling. She's almost as smart as he is, which is why he needs to do he some kidnapping. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like drug her. That's not grooming. He kidnaps her and like literally drugs her and uses every drop of. Psycho- yeah, but we're not talking about that yet. It's more the, like the let that I'm referencing the letter and stuff, like the things he's doing to kind of keep in contact with her. He's into her. She knows that. To a certain extent, she's just one of his hobbies. He's obviously not you know laser focused on her because it's been ten years and he what occasionally writes her a letter or whatever. Because well, she was in but, the news, like that's yeah, why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, well, so you know, it's just sort of like, oh, that. Well, we see a red um, dragon. He's still got attachment to Will Graham as well. Yes, that's just the end of that. Really, ends up the end. Of, he screws it. Ayo, screws it all. Always up silence your phone. Because well, he's the one dead in this one. Why is he not in this? Why did he bring that character back? That would have been a nice way to go. All three of them. I there's that. Well, like Will, William Peters and Jodie Foster are back in the in, uh, <laughs> ultimate lector. Most confusing to people sequel ever made with Brian Cox oh. as Lecteria. It all um, counts. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's the multiverse. Disney presents Hannibal. <laughs> um, I think, you know, again, I don't want to, you know, this is pure speculation, but I think either the events at the end of Red Dragon basically put Will Graham off of this path completely and under no circumstances is getting back in the sandbox. Yeah, because Crawler, like, by the way, just, I, know you, I know your family was under threat you had a hell of a thing you went through with this tooth fairy, and I know you didn't want to go talk to Hannibal in his jail cell, but what if you yeah. came back again? Like, I don't think that's a thing that's going to happen. And again, it's also, you know, if, you, if you've, if we're talking just Hannibal here, it's been, what, 10, 15 years since that incident. He's, you know, ideally, if he had a happy ending, it's a distant memory. That, that, made me, that makes me curious of this this angle, though. Like, does Hannibal have any grudge against the man that caught him and put him into jail? That he wouldn't go after Will Graham? I don't think he likes Will Graham as much as he likes Clarice. Like, he, I, no, on I, the scale, I think it's, you know, Chilton's down here, Graham's yeah. higher, and then you have you, you have, you have uh, Starling. But Starling's kind of still fresh at this point. But like, I think he recognizes that Will Graham's a smart man. He caught him. I mean, so, like, he... he, he there's a respect. He doesn't think he's a rude person like he does with the people he eats. Well, also, I think, you know, he, he sends the tooth fairy after Will Graham while he's still incarcerated. I think once he's out in, in the world, hey, he likes Clarice. He doesn't, yeah, he said the world's more interesting with her in it. But it's like, okay, is it, you know, either of them, is this worth jeopardizing my freedom? That's fair. But he's Although an absolute, he's a monster who 
we see in this would not harm her, which makes me a very yeah. interesting monster. I mean, that that that's you know, I find that very effective. Oh, yeah. There's never a reason this is one person. It's, re- it's relative involved. morality. Yeah, he's com- oh completely. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm I, I, we're not debating this. I was I was going off the speculative yeah. idea of what happened to Will Graham as far as Hannibal's perspective on this. It's like no, so, no, and that's it's, 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 case or something at this point, something like that. <laughs> so, like, just to remind me, is Will Graham done? At, like after he caught Hannibal, like was he is he not a cop anymore when we start that movie? You no, know, he. Oh uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's he's not. He's just hanging. He's just like managing a boat shop or something down in wherever he was in Florida. <laughs> that's his thing. Yeah, chickens, whatever he's doing with those chickens. Oh, this is the trailer line right here. I gave it some yep. very serious thought. And I think he was what? never officially with the FBI, was he? Or like they kind of finagled him into an area. And no, for, then... for for that for that storyline, yes, right. Yes. Like before yeah. that, he was, and then he's not anymore. He was like Lecter stabbed him, and that was like you yeah, know he, he left he left his scars. And he killed, he murdered that J- Garrett Jacob Hobbs, which was a traumatic for him too. And then he was uh-huh. coaxed to stay on in the Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, like Jack Crawford's a kind of not a good person when it comes to Will Graham. In the IMDb trivia, it notes that Hannibal uses chloroform to knock out uh, our cop friend here, uh, Patsy. And I, what I found interesting was it was saying, in reality, it would take chloroform several minutes to actually do this. How many times have you seen chloroform used on people that just works instantly? And how come the IMDb Nazis are never like out for any other movie? They're like on Hannibal. They're like, we need to point this out because people are going to think the wrong thing. Well, this maybe movie. it's one guy that's going to all the movies. And, <laughs> and just slowly movies. adding the chloroform. I back. just rewatched Peter Jackson's King Kong. It took a while. Yeah. <laughs> Everything takes a while in Peter Jackson's King Kong. <laughs> but he's, he's big. You need a lot of chloroform. Plus, they were all throwing low. Yeah, Jack Black was I mean, Jack Black. Jack I love Black. that movie, but if ever there was a movie that would have real time chloroform, it would be Peter Jackson's King Kong. <laughs> Jack Black learned from Jedi. He took the high ground, threw it right at his face, and that knocked him out. The other <laughs> ones were like, I guess I'll just throw it at the ground and it'll work. Like, <laughs> and people say he was miscast. <laughs> he gets the job done. Anyway, we're about to lose our Jack company. Black was miscast. He's terrific in that film. People are dumb, Scott. That's the thing. <laughs> so this this Onto segment that, of the yeah, film is why. like 45, 50 minutes. So yeah. like a, you could have buffered out, got yourself a nice 90-minute Hannibal Lecter thriller. That was never going to happen. <laughs> 90 minutes. Well, I mean, this was also a time when you weren't necessarily saying, okay, how many sequels can I squeeze out of this? Right. For sure. At the same time, the price- though, what? What a, what a movie this would be if it was called Hannibal. It was entirely focused on this Italian stuff. And the end is just this. He kills the guy and gets away. <laughs> That's the whole film. Well, I would have the end where, like, the Verger people. Yeah, they come in and, like, Thanos looks at the screen and winks or something. Like, I get it. But, I mean, this movie, like, it's, it's like the arc is so sad. It's because it's so. And great. then after the credits, the phone rings. And he's like, Clarice, I need your help. <laughs> it's like, oh. I need to tell you about the Verger Initiative. I do like as far as their first interactions go. This is a fun. Yes, this is exactly where it should be. It's perfect. Uh Um, Like this whole time during this, she has not left that office. Like she is interiors. Probably took like a week to shoot. Yeah, and it's all downhill from here. Like Julianne Moore did not have to be super available for this movie to. 
wonder what else she was offhand, what else she was doing at the time. Magnolia uh, I Express. Be, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think she did the hours a year later. Mm-hmm. The hours, yeah, in Far From Heaven's Far year. Far From Heaven, yes. Yeah. What? I guess Boogie Nights is like the ascension role as far as like getting. She had a. Uh, I know there's other things. Big Lebowski but, and. Well, that's after. She Lost World. She had Lost World. Lost World. There we go. Lost, Lost World. That's a mega hit. So yeah. Yeah, Lost World yeah. was the. She's respected enough to be in a franchise now. Well, it's a double, Not right? Because it's because that's the same yeah. year. It's, yeah. She gets an Oscar nomination for Boogie Nights, and she gets to be in the one of the biggest blockbusters yeah. of the year. Because before that, it's a lot of like supporting roles and well, like safe. Game safe was a big lead for her that she got some safe. Yeah, safe. Like she got that. In, she built that indie cred up for sure. Yeah. And yes. Aaron's favorite psycho. Um, <laughs> <laughs> This is that's rough. Like it just the kill, and then it's like, yeah. wait, what's that gonna do? And it's the way it, like, this plays out. Oh God, that's a better oh. man twisting from a wire scene than in Quantum of Solace. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one. It's not a hundred cuts. Yeah, yeah, he saw it in one thing. <laughs> I love that shot of the phone cracking on the ground. Then, by the way, guts. <laughs> like, yeah, it's wonderful. Phone goes. Complain to me about the gore. The gore does the job. I'm not. I'm not complaining. Does the job. This is. Yeah, see, I don't think you understand how good how does the job is like a very positive thing for me to say. I think. I think. I think you think. I think you think when I say it, it's like when I say rock solid. Yeah, does the job. I I rank higher. Better than does the job. Rock solid is yeah. The job is. My grading scale and my lexicon usage of Jeff does, does the, the job. job is a lot stronger than you're interpreting it. For a, the film job done. for a film that was partially aimed at adult film goers that don't necessarily flock to horror films, this was a sufficiently gory motion picture. Here's the here's the secret. I think people love gore. They just don't like being associated with certain things. No, yeah. They <laughs> watch Game of Thrones, like religiously. <laughs> the, you know, like it's... Yeah. Um... No, I agree with you. Walking Dead's been a hit for 10 years. Right. (laughs) I don't watch zombie movies, but I do watch Walking Dead. It's not, it's more, it's about the people, you know, not just the zombies. And there's like this social, oh, you mean like a zombie movie? (laughs) Then there's Gotham, which I swear is the goriest show I've ever seen on network. It's insane. It's insane how gory that show is. (laughs) And you know, unlike say Hannibal, where most of the victims are not Des- guilty deserving parties, but, of know, some kind. Yeah, it, it's in movie logic they're deserving. You know, civilians get whacked off like fleas on Gotham. Jesus. <laughs> but anyway, um, but there he is. That's where security camera shot. <laughs> yeah. Looks like Nosferatu in that shot. It's like he's gained weight. <laughs> Which you really see when he's jogging in about five, ten minutes. Yes. I remind us of McConnell still in this movie. (laughs) You will not get your health care plan. (laughs) Now that's what I call a filibuster. I don't think there's any way I could be convinced to do a role like Oldman is doing here where you just it's got to be so awful to be under all that makeup every day he said he, he said he based it. the he vocal inflection it. off Catherine hepburn which is what um, yeah. which is what lector did which is what anthony hawkins did also <laughs> i'm serious they both did they both God, did. really yeah it's inspiration it's a combination of things obviously I will say, it's, it's, it's crazy it. 
suddenly he's in Virginia or wherever he's supposed to be. Like, yeah, it does people feel complain like about even in terms of movie space, kind of still be trying to get across the ocean somehow. People complain about Bruce Wayne and Dark Knight Rises getting back. It's like, what about Hannibal? It's not like he's a super guy with all this money and riches. Like, how did he get over here? So, size of the lambs imagery or what poster art made that mask like iconic and stuff but it's not like like it's not in the books as like a thing and it goes to hilarious links in Hannibal Rising but like yeah, I forgot the rising is the mask is all over the place. Well, <laughs> it, it's like it's it's like an endearing thing for him. It's like it is not like this is not like he's not yeah, Michael it's, Myers. It's, he's not Jason. It's, it's yeah, restraint. It's, like it's the, it's the classic, uh, you know, IP brand mistake where you try to right. make every random object or moment an iconic part of the brand. You say right. mistake, but it worked. Like yeah. it, 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 it's, more right because they, it's more of a success because they have this thing. And Dino knows that. That's why he's a good producer. Like he knows what he yeah. gets out of this stuff. Yeah, I'm, oh. I'm saying it's fine here. They make it work, but like in Hannibal Rising, it's like, come on. Guys. Oh yeah, we'll get there. We got two months to get to that one. <laughs> Zeltro Ivanek. That's the name, right? I always forget that name. Yeah. Uh, he does his job. He's 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 having a good time here, being like uh, hapless assist, assistant. Just for the taste of it, Yancey yeah, Oldman loves this stuff. This is this is a thing he loves. To McConnell loves this thing. Like he he's happy to bury himself in this yes. makeup. It must have been six hours, right, to do that. It, yeah, it's something crazy. I don't have the trivia. Did he have right to lose now. like any weight to make it look like believable? Because he was like got, his head looks tiny. Well, because it's only the head. I think it's just the way he's dressed and whatnot, I think the head, it looks smaller than it oh, is. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just good framing. Yeah. Right. Isn't it the same year he plays the sort of bald, uh, or was that earlier? The Tim I mean, Allen movie contender. It's the, it's the year earlier, but I mean, regardless, I, I, he digs this stuff too much. Like he, he is, he is happy doing this kind of thing. That said, like there's conflicting stories about the credit for this. Cause he's not credited in the opening credits and he wasn't credited in the theatrical credits. Now on the release, he is credited in the the end credits, like third, which makes sense because he's like the other third of this movie. Um, Ridley Scott just tinkering with his movies. But there's there's some weird thing where like what one side of it is that Gary Oldman wanted shared billing with everyone, mm-hmm. um, and they denied him, so he said, "Okay, I don't want my name in the credits," which I kind of think is nonsense. Uh, I I I I think I side more with the he wanted it to be feel like a surprise. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, and yeah. just, and not like, and have no one really know what this thing is because That's of the Gary unique yeah. character. And even the, because again, remember, it's not in the credits, so it's like when you walk out of it, you're still not really sure what those that Air was. Force Ones, Gary Oldman. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, I, I feel like that's maybe a more accurate side of what this was, as far as it felt like a, it felt like a fun thing for that to happen, as far as. I get to play this otherworldly, you can't understand what I am thing, and nobody will even know until like later on or whatever. I don't think there was any like press for him. I don't believe there was director like, Tom Noonan. I don't think he was coming on David Letterman being like, guess who I am <laughs> this one. <way. laughs> this stuff again. Mm-hmm. Really it's like he's very good. But I just all this stuff I dislike as far as how they're I, I get the thematically what it's trying to do as far as intimidate her and make her feel lesser and all this stuff. But the, the, the well, theatrics to make it happen just don't really work. I'll for say, me. Demi and the, uh, the previous movie make 
office settings and and stuff more interesting to look yeah. at. This is just uh, yeah. we went in a room and shot it. Like there's they're on like a campus in the other one. The office doesn't look natural. You go in the dungeon of the institution. It's just lit differently. This is. Boy, and we're with Clarice. We're barely going outside after the opening. Like she ran, that was fine. But then it's right back at interiors in the office, and they're smoky. Yeah, it's it's just it looks like every other movie. There's there's not much here. Like I, no, there's not. And it's it's not like Yancy. It's not as though I'm like I'm trying to come down on this thing or I'm not matching it up. Like it's just not doing it the way. Silent. It's just I just look at this movie and think this is not interesting to me. She was interesting when he walked outside and he turned into like a TV shot, but that's so hard to buy that, that this is not a, this is a, I don't know. This is to me, this is a way above average horror movie. You're saying it on a whole. I'm saying this stuff, this section involving like the Starling stuff, it just doesn't do much for me. It doesn't do much, but it's a part of the larger whole that I think does work. I mean, mm-hmm. was there an unrated cut of this? No, no. no. <laughs> no this Ridley is one of the few Ridley Scott movies that doesn't have an alter. Well, we have the alternate credits cut, but I think it's because they probably got pretty much what he wanted to do here. Yeah. He's coming off again. He's coming off some prestige all of a sudden now. He's coming off a. Because uh... did did De Laurentiis have anything to do with Blade Runner? No, I no. So. Okay, I don't think so. Would they had they worked together before on anything? I gotta look that up, but um. I'm wondering if that's a that's a reason he doesn't get to cut I, this one again. Perhaps I, more. I think more or less he just thought he had it. <laughs> like yeah. he, and at this point in his career, like beyond Kingdom of Heaven, I don't think he has many director's cuts. Anymore. Oh, he's got a lot. He tinkers with his. He's got Legend. He's got Blade no, no. I'm Runner, saying, I'm Alien. saying, no. I'm, I'm saying at this point oh. in his career. Well. Yeah. The director's cuts generally come pretty early. He's got a, a different cut of Gladiator. He's, he's um, got a, they're all called extended cuts, with the, yeah. except, with the exception of Kingdom of Heaven. That's what I'm okay. saying. I, I'm saying at this point because I think he's generally doing what he wants to, and he's making, he's producing, okay. his, and he's he's it's scot free. It's his own production company, so it's like he probably gets the cut. And he wants. Kingdom of Heaven also has a roadshow cut, right? If that's that correct, yeah. and that one, yes. okay. Which is it's the same. It just has it's, you know an intermission. Intermission, basically. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I'm, I'm saying because he has Scott Free and he's in more control and right. he's been doing this for a while, it's like, no, the theatrical cut's the the one I wanted to make. That's what mm-hmm. I have here. There's an extended version where I'll just throws one of deleted scenes back in here. But, you know, because there's that, like, yeah, it's I think, like, The Martian is, like, the last one that has, like, an extended version of it. Okay. But they're but they're all called extended cuts at this point. Yeah. Okay. So I think on, on Hannibal, it's like, yeah, yeah, I made the, like, there's 33 minutes of deleted scenes. Like, he cut all the stuff he wanted to cut out of this movie. Gotcha. Do not waste your time on the theatrical version of the uh, counselor. The director's cut all the way on that one, or whatever you want to call it, is better, including one of the best uh, decapitation scenes since The Omen. Hmm. I agree there. Good decapitation scene. <laughs> like, certainly, uh, unlike any other decapitation scene you'll see. Yeah, that's a, that's a wild scene. Very Hitchcockian. And that person acts the hell out of it. I'll say that too. Oh boy, great reaction <laughs> he has at you, first. You, you see, smile. you see, like all, like all, like ten stages of I'm going to die now. Like in that scene, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to die from this thing. Is what he's saying. I heard about one of these things. I was just it, talking. I heard about. about I, I heard about this and monologued about it, and now I'm dying from it. That's good writing. And then I think the head falls <laughs> off the stretcher later before it even gets into the. Yeah, it's a good movie. <laughs> 
Both Krendler and what a what a Clarice sad house entering with to... boxes. I lost my job. I have to go back to my like luxury palace I have over here in the countryside. <laughs> FBI makes good money, I guess. You're better in the private sector. It's impressive that they don't go to like some farm or something with lambs and things. She's got Buffalo Bill. She's set. <laughs> they just gave they gave her that serial killer bonus that you get when you capture one of these guys. <laughs> Is that a thing? And Matt a Crawford's cake. Like, damn it, that one was mine, but we went to the wrong door. Remember that boring <laughs> cake? Yeah. <laughs> the pandemic cleaning. I can relate to that. <laughs> Cleaned your groceries. Um, in addition to, <laughs> in addition to Gary Oldman, they all they were they they first went to Christopher Reeve uh, for Maison. Oh Reeve. yeah, I saw that. What? Uh, what? Yeah, that would have been they, amazing. They went to Christopher Reeve. <laughs> uh, and, Why did they do it? And at first he was interested, but then he read the book. And he was oh. like, wait, they, this guy is both a quadriplegic and a child rapist. I don't want to associate. He, he was like, I don't want to, th- I don't want to make people think that like people with my, you know, with, in my state are synonymous with these kind of evil things. But you know? now when you don't cast that person like that, you give them hell because they're not really. a Exactly. Exactly. That would have been really uncomfortable. God, I'm glad they didn't cast Christopher Reeve. Yeah, I don't want Carrie. Like, like, again, Gary Oldman loves this stuff. He'll go under the make the chair for whatever. Christopher Reeve, like putting him in that make, like, God, no, thank you. I'm Superman, guys. I do like that. That was the thought, though. Like Dino De Laurentiis and really Scott are like, who do we get for Mason Verger? And I know a guy. Each other. We already got Hopkins. We got more. That's box office in the bank. Look at Christopher Reeve. People will love it. Everyone will be uncomfortable. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, whatever. It is what it is. Funny, you know, you, Scott mentioned earlier about the, the the pulp tendencies of Anthony Hopkins, and that's the thing I always remind myself with these Thomas Harris books is despite what feels like a real grounding and the way people really feel and the way these investigations really work, Hannibal Lecter has nothing to do with a real no. world serial killer. Much closer to a comic book supervisor. Right. And that's what I found very interesting type. about Towns of the Lambs is that you get both. You get both, I would argue, one of the more defining Hollywood versions of a serial killer with Hannibal Lecter, and you get a pretty damn realistic version of the real thing in Jamie Gunn. Good point. You hear more yeah. about that in our Silence of the Lambs commentary track. Now playing on Out Now. <laughs> oh, the, okay. Yeah. It was, I was going to look up if Ridley Scott and Dina De Laurentiis have worked together before. Maybe like on one of those, like, well, no, what's, what's Black Rain? Is that a Sil- is that a Joel Silver? Black Rain? That seems like something. Robert, in the vein stuff. of, but. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's a good movie. It's a good Michael Douglas vehicle, Black Rain. It's fine. It's you know, it's, a, it's an action movie that has really Scott attached, so it works. We're fans of uh, what's that Kurt Russell movie where he's the cop in L.A. Dark Blue. Dark Blue. There's Dark a fan of that. <laughs> We're fans of irredeemable cop characters. Man, well, it's funny after. After Red Dragon, I thought the next step was like 
they would do like kids daring themselves to stay overnight in the old Lecter house and getting picked <laughs> off one by one. <laughs> Like, with the cameras know, attached to their heads, <laughs> or maybe they just, yeah, exactly. film an overnight the there. Monitor. Yeah, I thought Anthony Hopkins would almost do that, <laughs> like pop up from some behind, find somebody and grab them. Uh, like he didn't like being stuck in the in the in the Merchant Ivory box for sure. And it's funny, there's a symmetry here too, because the and I actually well, I revised this movie when I had that. It was a Blu-ray set called the Hannibal Lecter trilogy. Yeah, with Manhunter, Silence of the Lambs, and this. And because you kind of replace Hannibal throughout, and you replace Jodie Foster, it kind of makes sense. Like, I certainly think those three are a satisfying trilogy in a way that none of the other. Well, I guess the other two movies mm. don't enter into it. Although again, I haven't seen all of Hannibal Rising. Maybe I'm in for a real treat. Oh uh, yeah, it's going to be a secret. Spoiler: You're not. Discover. But you watched it already, Scott. You're ahead of us. You, you caught up. Well, I, I saw it when it came out. Back yeah, well, Scott. Scott I mean, that's that's all. That's a while ago now. I mean, who knows? <laughs> we all just maybe slept on it when we, even when we were in theaters, sleeping on it, literally. <laughs> no, you that was read that book. Are you going to read the first year of Alice? I'm I was an audio book. I don't know why I didn't read it. I love his, his I mean, even as a whore, I'd like to read Wait, his book. I think know? wasn't that movie done first and then he wrote the book? I think there's it's some weird normal. reversal well, the, with that one. Well, the no, I think it I think it was uh like at the same time. Because I remember it being in stores. I remember when I saw it, it there was a Barnes and Noble like there was a Barnes and Noble next to the theater that I saw it. I remember the book being on shelves when like, it was one out. for Hannibal Rising, please. I'm gonna go to the bookstore till the movie starts. Oh look, it's there. <laughs> but like, but the seats for it are in the book Hannibal. Like it does introduce yeah. what Hannibal's backstory right. is, and then they just expand yes. that into a feature. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting that they made the you know, intentionally or not, they chose to cut that stuff out of this movie more or less. Well, I I saw that um, he wanted to do that book because Ridley Scott cut that stuff out, and he thought it was important. So that inspired him to go after that. So you, when when you went to the bookstore while it was already in theaters, did the cover say "Now a major motion picture with major crossed out"? <laughs> <laughs> so like for those people who are like, well, I liked Hannibal the movie. So I don't need to read that book, but I want to read Hannibal Rising because hot damn, um, he put it back there. So they... From what I can see, Dino DeLaurentis never worked. Dino never worked with Ridley before uh, this movie. So I just assume they're good friends. Hey, the more Dino. It's that international. It's that international. <laughs> Maybe there are judges on a Cannes Film Festival at some point together or something. No matter what he else he did, Dino could always say he produced those Fellini movies. I know that's the yeah. strangest thing going through the box set, seeing his name <laughs> all over like Fellini stuff, and then thinking like, wait, going up to Hannibal is it's pretty strong. You got breakdown, bound. Okay, big gap, uh, Army of Darkness, um... <laughs> Halloween three, Halloween two, Halloween two. Guys, because I'm missing like there's assassins. And U five seven one assassins. I had to Julian more, right? Or yep, that, yeah, yeah, yep. So she knew him. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Hannibal, Hannibal got a haircut on his uh, on his uh, quick plane trip over to the U.S. This is Ridley's homage <laughs> to the third man, right here. Right here, yeah. That sure. that the scene where he's standing inside of a cuckoo clock and being like, "Get it." <laughs> Hans Zimmer brings out a zither for some reason. What if that happened? What if that was a thing? He just pops out of the shadows. 
That's a trailer shot too, right? When he like touches her hair. Yep. Yep. It seems like it's be very easy to catch Hannibal right now. So I don't know, like they're making such a yes. big deal out of this thing with these two Italian guys or who are like the the their head the heavies anyway. Uh, just like going hey, out. when he zigs, he zags. <laughs> well, as you see, it they do catch him pretty easily. They do. It's just, I mean, I get it. It's a movie, so we're making a big deal out of this. I hope he paid for those. The shoes or the photos? (laughs) Both. Good subtle work by these henchmen, by the way. (laughs) They they cast the really big ones so so, uh, Hopkins would look smaller. Ouch. That's Anthony Hopkins' one stunt in the past 20 years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> enough for me. Fall down. <laughs> Climb into our black yeah. van. And, you know, it is what it is, but it's like, what did, what did he think was going to happen in this scenario? He knew they were following him. He seemed surprised when they actually, you know, bounce. Again, this is why this stuff just doesn't do much for me. Yeah, it's a yeah. lot of contrived elements to just get these two together. I like. I mean, yeah, there's stuff that's cool where it goes. I don't disagree with there, but it's yeah. You know, You're going the whole thing is a again, I, I think it's it's by having him out in the open and basically being so vulnerable and being so somewhat run of the mill in terms of a, a you know a horror movie baddie, he really does lose some of his mystique. And again, I don't know what you do about that in a movie where he's you know free and clear because oh. there it's a it's a very different situation when he's a caged tiger. You've already lost that when you make the sequel to Silence of the Lamb. So it's like you do the best you yeah, can. Yeah. Is the, mm-hmm. the result? It's just you know the material given isn't always the best here. And once again, you get like another scene of nonsense where these guys are like, "We don't believe you," despite having everything uh, to the contrary. And that was, you know, even when I was like, well, I was 21. I was, well, yeah, I was 20, so I wasn't quite a kid. But it's like, yes, I get institutional sexism, blah, blah, blah. But the the extent to which she is ostracized for stuff for which there's basically videotape of always seems like, really? You couldn't just like go on a talk show and say, hey, here's what actually happened. And I have videographic proof. I mean, even the drug dealer, the lady she shoots at the beginning, the lady shot her twice. On tape. After the other guy working the case with her was like, let's go in now. Over and again, and she's clearly like, I don't like, back down, back down. Back <laughs> and again, I, I get, you know, institutional sexism, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe I'm, I'm underestimating that, but it never made sense to me in terms of, okay, this doesn't make sense that she'd get in this much trouble for this incident when it's clear that she wasn't in the wrong in any way, shape, or form. Uh-huh. Um, anyway. bad, it's bad PR for the FBI. We look bad now yeah. on the news, and that's what matters. They're <laughs> um, finally going to take us down. Meanwhile, under hmm. this tunnel. <laughs> this is a very silence looking scene, actually. <laughs> Go look at the scenery. Yes. <laughs> this looks a lot like silence right now. Brad really says that in the commentary too. We shot this scene because it looked a lot like silence. 
It was interesting. The little things had the same thing where Denzel drove up to a chain, a, a locked fence, and then drove forward, popping it open. And I remember thinking, would that really work? I guess it would. Yeah, you just get in your car and you drive at it. <laughs> it's the classic cop. <laughs> they teach you that at the academy. <laughs> would stop first and then slowly start again, and it just sort of pops open like butter. I guess that makes sense. But yeah. What Gotti Castle do you think to... is? What What other movies do you think this mansion's been in? I'm sure it has been in some. Uh, Oogie loves. <laughs> Sorry, that's my go-to answer. You know that. <laughs> in fact, he's in Oogie loves. Mason Verger lives. <laughs> it's a good like. What? Who is it? Um, well, we'll talk about this more. Mitch too, McConnell. But, like, but yeah, Mitch McConnell. Uh, Greg Greg Canham does like the makeup and the puppet stuff in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. there's, a, I mean, effects wise, yeah, the technicals obviously are pretty excellent in all this. Like, it's an impressive display of that character of, of Verger. Uh, like looking at this thing and realizing there's an actor under all of that. So there's a lot of good work going on there. I, I do remember, and I know you mentioned this earlier. And you know what? I'll just have you say his name. Verger's pal, played by oh, Z- Z- Zelko Ivanek. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I was a fan of him from Homicide, where he played a, a periodic reoccurring role there as as the one of the DAs. And this was by I feel he's for me by far his most high profile film or profile anything project. And then I, you know it was a couple a few years after this he did Damages. Yeah, he won his uh, Emmy, right? Yeah. Wait, did he actually win the Emmy? Yeah, he won an Emmy. So. He did. Yeah. I was maybe it was a Stanley Tucci murder one situation where you you, know, you can't give it to him next year because his character's dead. You blew it this year. <laughs> but Stanley Tucci ended up all right. Yeah, he's uh, doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's not doing cookie shows on CNN or Stanley something. Stanley Tucci. <laughs> And, and, like he pops up in a lot, like in a lot of the same, like you know, he's a character actor. He very much plays a yeah. type. Like I'm, I'm rewatching The West Wing, and uh, he's in there now, like occasionally. Yes. Like, he's like the, the, he's the rival version of Bradley Whitford's character, basically. He showed uh, up in Live Free or Die Hard, I believe, too. Does yes, he? yeah, he's a random cop. I thought he might be in on it because, he, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because like, he's like, oh. well known enough. Maybe he doesn't need the work. Maybe he does. I'm trying to think of which cop because I know like Clifton uh, Cliff Curtis is he's in there. with he's, him. He's with it's he's both, with him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. he's the other one. I'm gonna honestly got it. The only reason I even know that is because yeah, I like the actor. I'm like, oh good, he's employed today. Well, he's um, one of the, he's like Alfred Molina, where he'll just like take whatever rolls off. Yeah. Like, like I just like the work. I'll, I'll be yeah. seventh build. I'll be ninth build. Whatever I like doing it. Yeah, like like three billboards. So he shows up. It's like he's like Len Wiseman wants me <laughs> doing it. <laughs> Uh, you think they're going for anything by I was, having? I was sit- up for Underworld, but they uh, went with Kate Beckinsale instead. <laughs> you think you think there's an implication by having him constantly being like essentially crucified as they're you know mm-hmm. doing all this stuff of Lando Elector in this scene, this like these past few scenes, he's just constantly arms out. Yeah, I think I think it's very intentionally ham-fisted mm-hmm. as a way to sort of almost meta satirize this notion that Hannibal Lecter is an anti-hero and he's, you know, 
And again, you know, I've, I've seen Sons and Lambs many times. To the extent that Hannibal Lecter respects Clarice and or thinks she's kind of hot, I never, ever took any kind of notion that A, she was into him at all, or B, that he was that infatuated with her beyond just, you know, a fun toy to play with at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, again, I think the shipping stuff, a lot of that was in the minds of certain moviegoers. Um, and again, you know, again, you know, whether it works in the book, whether it works in the movie, whatever, I do think a lot of the stuff was, oh, you idiots wanted to see this movie where, you know, Clarice and Hannibal basically have a relationship and he has to rescue her and, you know, has to save her from the murderous pigs and yeah, and they fall in love at the end. Well, here you go, dummies. Um, by the way, we're now we're at this pig stuff. 2000, 2001, guys, people are like, we need to see more people get eaten by pigs because you have Snatch and then this movie. And they're like, I guess that's the that's the thing. That's that's all they're aiming right now. And then in 2013, there's an actual there's an actual thing that happens where gangsters used pigs to eat somebody and it became in the news. And they said it's inspired partially by. <laughs> Pig death. Just uh, just it was just the rave back. At least he didn't go Black Mirror style, make him schlep a pig. Mm. Which, again, <laughs> mimicked reality eventually in some way, which is crazy. <laughs> I guess it's a fitting enough way to like end this subplot. It's like, yeah, and then Clarice finds him. <laughs> Just gets him out of it. Don't see yeah. any of the. Don't see any of the of the of what you're saying, Scott. The the sort of venom for the audience. It feels like the story i mean whether or not it's overblown that they were going to have a thing from the last book i mean that's what happens in this one and i don't know it doesn't feel like and it doesn't i can't imagine anybody working in that context of i'm gonna just blow this on a on a, on a mean sort of audience joke i mean it feels to me like he's gonna um, offer something he doesn't quite capture in terms of yeah i don't know these two I, I think it's certainly a lot more in the book than the movie yeah and I, I yeah. think my my issue with this is that they did try to make a serious movie based on source material that wasn't entirely ab- above board. Well, that's not the right phrase. Right. Um, that wasn't entirely sincere. I guess that, that might work. Um, and again, you know, I've certainly softened on this film over the last 20 years. And frankly, I've softened on quite a few older films just because more and more movies become the kind of movies we don't get anymore. Um, yeah, for sure. And not yes, me. I'm cold on all this stuff. I don't care. It was bad then. It's bad <laughs> now. That's what I say. See, I, Objectively, I, you're correct. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, oh. I like to, to, I kind of agree with really Scott. Uh, like, I would think Clary Starley would be above, she'd be able to fight off the system that's, uh, you know, going after her and still know better than Hannibal Lecter at the end. I agree. And that's, like, that's I, where I, uh, I, I really quick. I love this lie where he tells him, just push him in. I'll, you can say it. I did it. <laughs> that's that's, that's oh, really yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> no, Brandon, you're exactly, that's, that's what it is for me. That's really what the root is of this thing. As far as the, the arc of this character, like I get what it wants to do. I don't believe that it sets me up to believe in it. And I find that's, that's a big problem for me. Like if I can't f- find it in with me to see these characters for what they wanted to do with them, mm-hmm. I, I can't connect to it as strong as I'd like to. 
But it's also trying to change that ending while keeping all the details that led to the original ending. Yeah, it wants to have a happy medium, like, and it's yes, it's like that's like what like Doctor Sleep tried to do, also, which I think did it better than this movie, frankly. Uh, But it's you know you want to have these best of both worlds, where like yeah, there's a book, and yeah, there's a film, and they're both iconic in their own right or what have you. And it's like how do you find some kind of middle ground? That's a difficult thing for any writer to do. And when it comes to you know making sequels to some of the greatest movies of all time, I see how a challenge is presented there, and it you know comes up to the filmmakers I mean, to figure that out. It's it's almost an extreme version of like having Michael Myers save Laurie Strode at the end of some Halloween movie. Yes, I mean that's what they tried to do for Texas Chainsaw 3D, right, Brandon? <laughs> oh yeah, well, which is absolutely a cinematic classic. Mm-hmm. Which, do you think? Yeah, it's comparable. It's yeah. <laughs> do you think uh, exactly? Um, remember he's a doctor that's this scene <laughs> <laughs> MD that's what this that kind of doctor and he had yeah. access to pharmaceuticals he, he, whether or not he's whether or not he's right Hannibal's delusion is that she is equally above the rest of humanity it's not I can't see it as Michael Myers saving Laurie it's it, it, you know it's it, it, whether he's wrong or not he, Hannibal clearly for some, in some ways the entire species is redeemed by this Clary Starling, and it's a warped storyline, but I still don't think that it's cheap and dishonest. I mean, there's too much good in terms of like what these actors are giving to it or what have you to like say it feels cheap and dishonest, but it's but actually this is fun right here too. Um <laughs> really <laughs> getting captured. Uh, that that trusty chloroform comes in handy again, guys. Um, but I, I don't like Yancy, yeah, I don't know. It's just in terms of like the book and the material there, like I can see how that works better because your mind can just play with that. But like, I'm not seeing it from Hopkins as far as like, this is where this was inevitably going to lead a romance and an attempted uh, courting courtship. It's not even necessarily a romance, at least in courtship. this. It's, it's, it's just, it's just, uh, he has the exact opposite amount of, he has the exact amount of respect for her that he lacks in everybody else. And he wouldn't, and he wouldn't mutilate himself instead of hurting her. I, there's something, you know, I mean, you, you call this like a class, a very classy horror film. And I think that almost works at its detriment. It's like, yeah, it is a classy horror film. So it's weird to see like this thing happen where it just doesn't feel like that's the natural progression. Yeah. Well, in the movie, what do you mean? Him feeding her the, the brains or whatever? Yeah, cinematically, book-wise, sure. You know, go nuts, Thomas Harris. I'll fill in the blanks of our minds. But I think these films, I don't think they give me, I don't think they're taking me on that journey in the way that they want to, they intend to. I think all in all, the movies might be better than the book, but only the book once. Yeah, I think the movie's better than the book. I mean, it's still pretty, still feeding little kid brains on the plane. It's not totally I get, neuter, neutered. I, he doesn't yeah. eat the brains. I don't well, disagree. I, I will say this: I I know the book from like highlights and how it's been described. I haven't read this book like a, like I know the uh, like I know Red Dragon and, and Silence of the Lambs. Uh, actually, I didn't even talk about it. like I so I did I didn't see this in theaters. I saw this eventually on home video. Um, and but I my as I mentioned in the past, my mom is a huge fan of Thomas Harris's books and Hannibal and everything, and she did. Uh, you know, she read this book and she she described it as far as what happens because how could you not? Crazy things happen in that book. And, <laughs> and then she saw the movie and she also described in detail what happened in the movie to me because I, I'm like, what, 14, 15 at the time? And I just, for whatever reason, just didn't see it that weekend. And uh, it certainly sounded insane. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, I guess I'll be seeing this eventually. <laughs> and and oh. like on, on that level of, well, there that went places. Yeah, it delivers at that degree. 
it's just you know there's there's a lot of stuff in between where not all of it for me was that successful and watching it multiple times as i have over the years it had like are there other aspects i appreciate it because of just how i've grown to appreciate film yeah sure there's good stuff in here no doubt we've talked about this for the past two hours almost like but i mean you know i'm not picking this up at random to be like oh there's a good jaunt for me to pick up right now like i just you know it doesn't do much for me in that way He couldn't figure out phones. I mean, <laughs> he got everything else. Done. <laughs> Was he going to order a pizza in case the food didn't come out right? <laughs> Overcooked it. Or maybe it's his overconfidence. He wants I, I, to see what I know. Do. Yeah, people aren't perfect or what have you. It's just, you know, <laughs> how far do I take my movie <laughs> logic? <laughs> What's the like? What's the like? What's the end game here? Assuming everything went to Hannibal's plan, is it like we cooked it? It was great, and now we're running off together. Like, well, in that, the, well, in the book, yeah, in the book, he in the book, I know that's the book. Is that, and they they eat it together, and they seriously fornicate, drug. and then they yeah. But he's also so was, in between here. He's brain like he's trying to make her remind like be like a father figure to her, like all this like weird brainwashy stuff and then this happens i get that so i guess like if you're in the theater watching this as a book fan you're in for a treat here right because you're like oh cool we're gonna go down this route and then he subverts it and does something different and that's fun i think because why or they get angry or they get angry. either way uh but i tend to be the guy it's like cool they did something different so it's not entirely the thing i already right right um he loves her he's disgusted by this guy he wants to give her this revenge you know And and i guess I don't know. I guess if you're not a book reader and you're watching this, it's just like fun, for lack of a better word, as far as what's being presented. He's a a main offender in terms of being the kind of person Hamill doesn't like, and he's offended her. He's ruined her life. Of course, he's going to try to share this, which he thinks she'll like. And I, I, this is to this movie. I mean, this movie has something Noah, nothing else. Like I can't think of any scenes in movies similar to this damn thing. It's so weird. And it's just an interesting finale that I think gives the film, at least lets it go out on a high that you may not have had the previous two hours before it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) This yeah it's certainly you know it's going a direction where you're like well that's a way to climax this thing but yeah i don't i don't know what that other movie is that's i mean beyond being revenge and like the general idea of what's happening yeah in terms of how we're going about it especially in a big studio movie as opposed to you know whatever horror film um yeah these are are some extreme choices but again it's the way Scott's filming all of this and the way he's directing his actors that I think is just pretty pitch perfect as far as this kind of thing goes. Well, like Ray Liotta's like in a way like scary here. Like just well, the situation's scary. What's up with him? Like, you know, yeah, yeah. How's he going to act? Like he's out of control. He says it just looking. It's creepy. You know, you know something's wrong and it's like, what's that other well, shoe going to be? When it's it drops? humorous. <laughs> it's humorous at times in a creepy way. Like, you're like la- like, oh, but the character is villainized sufficiently enough that you don't feel too bad for him when he takes his hat off. 
It's also right. like it's this is a giant substitute for Chilton, too, because you never see what happens to Chilton. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, so here we're gonna deliver on what would it be like if Hannibal got his hands on what he would consider like the worst thing? We got yeah. the Verger stuff out of the way, and that was handled in a different kind of way. What happens when he just really gets up close and personal with somebody? And this is this is what they deliver. And it's like, yeah, that yeah, all right, that tracks. <laughs> we see the cannibal action, which we haven't seen, honest, right? We haven't seen that at all in any of this, uh, up yeah. until now. So it's like, well, you're finally giving people the thing that he's called Hannibal the Cannibal. You're actually seeing that in action. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing him do, he's using all of the skills that he has in a possession to do that. Now, with that said, Ray Liotta, th- there is no doubt in my mind that this is entirely why he signed up to be this movie. He's like, <laughs> what? Ridley oh, Scott, God, yes. and I get to act in the scene with, with Anthony Hopkins, and it involves my head being taken off. <laughs> sign me the fuck up right now. If you don't sign me, I'm firing you. I'm hiring a new agent. He's going to sign me up. You know, I, yeah, I guess I will be in this movie where Anthony Hopkins eats my brain. Yeah, like that. That this is an actor's dream. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously he's had a long and storied career, but even if he hadn't, this would be a shot of immortality right here. Right here, he was like, he called Jonathan Demi on this date. He's like, listen, remember when you put me in something wild <laughs> and you said I was going to be something? Well, I am something now. Thanks, John. I'm in a sequel to your biggest movie, <laughs> Brady, not by Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Uh, and Starling tried to play like this distress, like I am, I cannot handle this, but you need to stop. Like that's a really great, like that can't be yeah. easy to act, but she's doing it really well. No, it's it's whatever my misgivings about because like, she's know, again, crying, like she has the tears coming. To do down. both, it's ex- it's an excellent performance. Um, because she can't stop this. Nothing. Every like he is entirely in control here. Yeah. Visual and effects the, hold up quite well. Yeah, the the effects here, like this, is crazy too. Like it's a mix of it's visual effects to like green screen out like the top of his head, and it's a really elaborate puppet. Yeah, which I which I which I have a picture of because it's awesome. <laughs> but, but it's like it, and, it is a puppet. Yeah, and there's so there's so much like. I believe like Leota doesn't even know some of the scenes that he's not the puppet in. Like it's, it's insane. Like in the way it's again, that's what I talked about earlier. As far as the filmmaking goes, like it's handled in such a way where you're never not into the mood of this scene. Like mm-hmm. the, it's handled exactly the way it needs to be handled to make it just gross enough, but you're still paying attention. And again, and that's why I'd look, if I saw this with an audience, I'd be curious what my walk away would have been initially for this movie. Because it's definitely it feeding him his own brain as the public audience really explodes. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a gradual rise, right? First it's like, yeah. what's going on? Then it's like he takes off the hat, then he takes off the scalp, then he cuts back the scalp cover thing, then he cooks the brain, then he gives yeah. him the brain. Like what a progression that is. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's as as you said, he it's there really is no other movie I can think of, at least on the mainstream level, that has an ending like this. Yeah. And Again, my nitpicks notwithstanding, this is certainly not an ending that you expect for a conventional Hollywood serial killer thriller. You know, this isn't, all due respect, something like Sons of Lambs, where there's a chase in the dark and, you know, the hero kills the villain and saves the day. This ain't that. Well, even like, well, I mean, it's, it's the one where he wins. And like, we talked about Seven. That too. And, not too yeah. long, you know? and Seven's one where he technically wins, but it's also not... It doesn't deliver an action sequence, which is good for seven on that point. But yeah. I mean, it it has that well, sort Hannibal of like, one in Silence of the Lambs. He does. Yeah, he does. You're he not, doesn't but, win but, he's not, but he's not the but he's not the he's not the character being chased in that movie. Right. His, his fantasy Clarice would have been like, you know what, you're right. This guy's an asshole. Let's eat his brain. 
So in that he, way, he doesn't he doesn't break her in that well, way. So he doesn't. He, he wins the most an antihero can win in this kind of movie. Yeah. Also, you know, they sell the idea that he's she has maintained the integrity that made her like her made him like her in the first place. And again, I may you know, however condescending I might find that alteration with their trying to you know maintain her as a quote-unquote wholesome role model you know whatever in a vacuum it's not entirely out of character was this scene if i'm not mistaken nominated for like an mtv movie award for best kiss possibly i'm very i'm gonna look that up i'm very sure though it sounds like it's up the alley what'd you say yancy Anthony Hopkins, Julianne Moore. Yes, this is where he came. Yeah, he he goes for it. I mean, it's a one-way kiss. I never in my life imagined trapping someone before by putting their ponytail in the fridge, but I never forget that bit. Animal's pretty inventive. It's a... There's a trailer shot right there, too. (laughs) I think it gives him just the slightest patina of... There. Yeah. He's in there. Of sympathy that you realize that he can't ever convert this person to his way of thinking and never will. Well, I think he knows. I mean, it's, it's again, yeah. to a certain point, I think it's more of a game than an actual intimate whatever. This was up for three MTV Movie Awards. Best Movie, Best Villain, and Best Kiss. <laughs> it did not win any of these, by the way. Mitch McConnell win? No? Oh. Uh, no. Also, it was up for three Teen Choice Awards, um, <laughs> Choice Horror Thriller, Choice Sleaze Bag, Anthony Hopkins, and Choice Movie Your Parents Didn't Want You to See. The Sleaze Bag is Hopkins. The sleaze That's bag. a cool yeah. category. I'm mean, curious what else it, is. It also it also lost um, all their all those. Categories. I'm trying to. I'm looking for the nominations now. Scott, believe me, I'm trying to find it. <laughs> I do think they overwent ever more with the hair dye on Hopkins. There, it's darker than it mm. was in Times of the Lambs. He's out in the world now. He's, he's probably dying it, yeah. He's probably cool to yeah, he's free to die. I like that line reading of this is really gonna hurt before he brings down the <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a good line. I didn't know what was gonna happen. I mean, that scene was obviously different than the movie, but or different than the book, but like you say, it wasn't obvious what was gonna happen. Before I get I to there's the no movie. way to in, in modern parlance it isn't offensive, but I have to just say that's a fantastic dress that they put Julianne Moore oh, in. It's yeah. like the most flattering <laughs> evening gown I've ever seen. It's, be- before I get to who won the parents movie, your parents don't want you to see award. There is the award for best chemistry. Um, and there's wedding planner, the Mexican Pearl Harbor, get over it. Dude, where's my car? Br- Bridget Jones's diary, a night's tale. And the winner, of course, Castaway, Tom Hanks and Wilson, the volleyball. Oh, those are the days. Here's, we get the, uh, the reveal that Julia Moore did not lose her hand in that scene just previously. <laughs> did you ever think that Nicely he was going to, I like the way they did it. Did you ever think that it was going to go one way or the other? Uh, yeah, I thought that might be the compromise. Yeah. Yeah, the movie started with fireworks, didn't it? I think it was fireworks <laughs> yes. when the yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Here, here right. Uh the nominees for film choice movie your parents did not want you to see in the Teen Choice Awards were Valentine, Tom Katz, The Mexican, Swordfish, Hannibal, Freddy Got Fingered, Bridget Dones' Jiry, and of course the winner. Scary movie too. Which parody of Hannibal? Your parents care about you seeing better movies. Uh, our swordfish is on our list of commentaries. I believe as far as the gra- <laughs> right. our, our our constant grab bag of well, we don't have anything for this month. Why not this? So so the book ends with 
uh, we kind of catch up with Barney, who's a much bigger player. Yeah. And uh, he's in Buenos Aires and he sees Clarice and Hannibal and they're under different names and um, they kind of like he sees them, recognizes and then they're gone and that's like the end of the book. They're like buying food somewhere and they're like, ha ha ha, we're so... Yeah, it, it's him and Barney and Alfred and Bruce Wayne and Catwoman. They're all just right. sitting at a villa and they wave and just... <laughs> <laughs> you made it. Now, is this responsible? That's a very startling This I do enjoy. I think he took a to-go Tupperware of Krendler's brain with him. I like that he thought to you know it's like well I gotta I gotta hightail it out of here, but I might as well get that Tupperware of brain. Yep. <laughs> like I had cooked it all. <laughs> he packed beforehand. I prepared the meal. I might He's as well beautifully, get it. It's a beautifully little put together box of food. And, and it was cooked too. Like it's not, you know, yeah. apparently he had time to like get the rest and of it out. And finish the bread. Yeah, and finish the cooking, you know, finish the process. Really but see, well, I didn't change any minds, but I did my duty and tried to defend this movie. But I won't quite go to the math for it, but I do think it's much I think we're overall pretty positive about things. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I still don't, you know, whatever. As I said, I've, I've become more forgiving of, of older movies just because, unfortunately, and I blame the consumer as much as I blame the studio, yada, yada, yada. Movies like this are even more rare now than they were 20 years ago. And then as the Hannibal series goes, comparatively, we go, we go, like start backtracking after this movie. With Ratner's perfection of Manhunter, the Red Dragon material. Ray Fine should have been a good Tooth Fairy. Everybody's well cast in that movie. He's fine in the film. The cast is ridiculous. Compared to Tom Noonan, it's like if. Everybody compared to that other version, it's just I've never seen a remake that is so clearly inferior. <laughs> I, 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 I have seen many remakes that are very clearly inferior. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big drop from a great film to a really cheap piece of crap. I mean, you're, I you're acting like remakes don't exist right now when you say things like this. Point Break comes to mind. There's so many terrible yeah. remakes. Nightmare on Elm Street comes to mind. Yeah, but when they include it in the Scream Factory box, everyone's going to give it another chance, right, Brandon? I mean, we'll all watch. No, that nobody likes it. it. We'll take there. it. We'll take it in there, but nobody. Li- if they show me the original cut for the film, I'm I'm down. But Wait, which one are we talking about now? Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, right, right, right. The Elm Street remake, because there's a whole other cut of that film that nobody's seen. Does it actually movie. have a first act? <laughs> it's different. Paris liked it for a minute, but mm-hmm. he couldn't even hold that one together. Yeah. Mm. Hannibal Lecter will return in Red Dragon. I, I'm looking. I'm looking for the, um, the, the hats by for Hopkins and suits by for Mr. Hopkins. Scarf, scarf Mr. Hopkins, scarves, Mr. Scarves by. I'm waiting for those uh, things to come up here. Um, what else? I saw what Anthony I... Hopkins leaving uh, a restaurant in Santa Monica not too long ago. I heard him say the words, "It was a good lunch." Big, big guy, bigger than I thought he he would be. He's statuesque. Yeah. Remember when he dated Martha Stewart for a little while? Didn't we all? They were, they were an item for a little while. Anthony Hopkins and Martha Stewart. Hot. 
Alexander Witt, second unit. Makes sense. Lots of Italian. Did you think, was there any hint that they were going to do this, uh, like another one after this? After this one? Yeah. Uh, after opening weekend, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it wasn't like they were chattering about Red Dragon while they were promoting Hannibal, if that's what you're asking. Because it comes pretty uh, quickly. What, what's Hannibal, 2003? Yeah. Oh, no, it was a very quick, because again, the film scored the you know an R-rated two-hour, 10-minute gothic horror film for adults. It snagged the third biggest opening weekend of all time. Um it was a little more front loaded, but still did 165 domestic around 353 worldwide on an $80 million budget. And yeah, you know, it, once, once this thing held pay dirt, it was crazy not to try and do red dragon. Um, or just, but I no, mean, up or, in, until, until this one came out, it wasn't like this was going to be the start of a new trilogy or anything. That wasn't how things were done back then. And I, I mean, it's, it's like in Thomas Harris, I mean, it's not like he has, I mean, what would another book be? <laughs> now it's him writing Hannibal and, and Starling on their adventures. <laughs> like, what's, what's that book about? Yeah. That would be- Especially because you, you make that, you, you already have this book and you have this oh, Will book. Graham comes back and he saves her from this brainwashing. That's the next book. Thomas Harris is very is. old now. I bet we'll never get another book from him. Yeah, he's... he's yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah. a normal guy who just completely... Well, there you have it, guys. That's that's been our Hannibal track for Hannibal. We've we've talked about the whole movie. It's over now. We've done it, uh, and we we have two more to do. But uh, as we wrap up this commentary, the good ones. Where can people find? more of you guys' work online. Brandon Peters? Uh, Brandon Peters Show. BrandonPetersShow.com Available anywhere podcasts are found. I also have a YouTube channel and you can find me on the socials at Brandon4KUHD. And if you like my writing, it's on WhySoBlue.com Nancy, anything you'd like to plug? Milky <laughs> Way uh, Blues still exists and uh, check me out on Facebook, Yancey Burns or Twitter, Yancey Jack. Watch this space. Scott Mendelson? Forbes.com on the ticket booth, some Google variation of that. I'm on Twitter at, at Scott Mendelson, and it hasn't changed in eight years. Uh, you can find everything I do at my personal blog, thecozeek.com. I'm on Twitter, Darren's PS4, everything. You, uh, I have all kinds of things all over the place. Uh, this podcast you can find on iTunes, not even Spotify and Stitcher. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And yeah, as we've mentioned many times, we'll be back next month talking Red Dragon. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you, Brandon, Yancey, and Scott for joining me for this commentary. Thank Always you. a pleasure. And yeah, that's going to do it for this month's track. So until next time, so long and goodbye. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com.
show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. <laughs>